This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Austin left field deep, Bam going back, looking up, he will watch it fly! And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Goal for Yelich! Cody Bellinger hits one out. He does! So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, can you feel it? Can you feel it? It's in the air. It's baseball season. It's pitchers and catchers reporting this week what it's all about it's what it's all about the 2020 season is about to start for us and I cannot wait I cannot wait and I've got some news on the Houston Astros and I was just this past weekend down at Pebble Beach and I can tell you Kind of what it's going to be like for the Houston Astros in 2020. And why is that possible? Well, the reason why it's possible is because I got to see Justin Verlander. I got to see Jim Crane down at Pebble. I'll have that for you in a little bit. This is what we've got going today. Bradford Doolittle will be here at 1.30 from ESPN. Kerry Crowley from the San Jose Mercury News as I, I don't get it. it. Makes no sense. Hunter Pence is back with the Giants. Plus, they had their fan fest and changes to the ballpark. A lot to get into. The great Steve Garvey will be here at 2.30 as the deal is done with the Dodgers. Yeah, it was weird. It was crazy. But in the end, they got it done. Also, the Red Sox, the deal with the Dodgers, will be covered from the other side. Lou Merloni from WEEI in Boston and former big leaguer. And then we will have Shooty Babbitt at 3.30, one of the best scouts in the game and also one of the sharpest stress men in television who works for the Oakland Athletics. So Doolittle at 1.30, Crowley at 2, Garvey at 2.30, Lou Merloni at 3.10, and then Shooty at 3.30. Well, it's over. It's finally done. As it looked like, it looked like, well, this thing's falling apart, but if it's falling apart, how's this going to work for spring training? And we're talking about the Red Sox and the Dodgers. You know, pretty much the deal's done. No, it's not. And if you read through the tea leaves, I think it's pretty obvious what happened. The Boston Red Sox made a deal. And this is why I, I, I'm going I'm to predict that Hein Bloom will not last in Boston more than two years. I'm not rooting against him. I'm not rooting for him to lose his job. I'm just saying the way you do business in Tampa is far different than what you do in Boston. And it's just been a train wreck, not all his fault by any stretch of the imagination. 
And if you're wondering who Hein Bloom is, uh, and not everybody knows who executives are, nor do you care, but he's the chief baseball, is it officer? Yeah, he's the only CBO of baseball, whatever that title means. Uh, basically, he runs the baseball operations for the Red Sox. Came over from Tampa. He's inherited an absolute dumpster fire. And we believe that the Red Sox are going to learn this week of their fate when it comes to electronic sign stealing. Now, technically, they should get hit harder than the Astros because they already were popped for the Apple Watches. And then they promised New York and the commish, we'll never do it again. And then now they have done it again. So their penalty's coming down. So that's not Heinblum's fault. So then he has to fire his manager that he inherited. He still doesn't have a manager. And then he's got to trade his best player, arguably the second best player in baseball. I, We're going to ask Lou, do you think he really knew what he was getting into? But here's what happened. He agrees to this three-team trade, and then the people of Boston flip out. The media flips out. Uh, the fans flip out, and there's a huge reaction. And he realizes, I didn't get enough. Or he's told by ownership, we didn't get enough for Mookie Betts. So they have to all of a sudden go, wait a minute. This Bruzdar Gratterall, who's had Tommy John, throws over 100 miles an hour. He's got a sinker at like 101. <laughs> I mean, he's nasty. But now they have to bark at the medicals because they the, the trade's not good for them now. People are feeling like they didn't win the trade. Once again, when you're a guy in Tampa, you got to win your trades. So they basically halt the three team trade between the Dodgers, the Twins, and the Red Sox because they're getting bad PR. And they already have enough bad PR, and they're about to get more. What happens if all of a sudden it comes down, you know, $5 million in penalties, you're losing first, second-round picks this year, next year? Who knows? If they're going to get what the Astros got or they're going to get more, there's no good PR whatsoever. But it looks like the deal is finally done. It has not been confirmed yet, but this is what it looks like. The Dodgers are going to get Mookie Betts, and they're going to get David Price. The Dodgers and the Red Sox are going to split the remaining $96 million owed to David Price. So that means the Red Sox got a better deal on the David Price. There was money going to be involved, but not this much. So they got to split David Price. So the Red Sox can now say, we got a better deal on David Price. The Dodgers also will pay all $27 million of Mookie Betts. So the Dodgers have they've shaved way more payroll. Excuse me, the Red Sox have shaved way more payroll. Plus... The future payroll on Mookie Betts, which could be somewhere around $400 million. So you split David Price and you save a ton on Mookie Betts. The Red Sox will get Alex Verdugo, outfielder, who's had a bad back. They're going to get shortstop Jeter Downs. And they're going to get 
catcher Connor Wong. Downs will become the Red Sox top prospect as he's ranked number 77 in the top 100. Now you're wondering, okay, now what about the Twins? What happens with them? Well, the Dodgers then had to go to the Twins and cut their own deal. So all these deals had to be cut individually. So no no three-way deal anymore. The Dodgers trade with the Twins. Dodgers show, the Dodgers basically show that I'm not saying, can I say negotiated in bad faith? Because the Dodgers go, we'll take the guy that you you think is hurt. Dodgers now get the Gratterall kid. So the Dodgers now add another power arm in their system. They're also going to get outfielder Luke Rayleigh, the 67th pick in the 2020 draft, while the Twins get the guy they wanted, Kenta Maeda, who we've proven to you through some numbers, Maeda's been better than people think, and a minor leaguer plus some cash. <sighs> it's exhausting. The one that really affects the A's, though, in a good way, is that the Angels and the Dodgers deal is now off. So, Jock Peterson is not going. Jock Peterson is not going to Anaheim. That, to me, is a big deal. So, Jock Peterson joining an outfielder, joining an outfield with Mike Trout was a bad idea. How many home runs did he have last year? 37? I think 36 for for Jock Peterson. Yeah, that's a big, big improvement over Cole Calhoun. And then they were getting the pitcher, Ross Stripling, for Reinfro. Yeah, Luis Renjifo was supposed to be the guy going back. Stripling was an all-star two years ago. He's 30. He had 15. So, so for us, that means they don't get a power bat and a starter. Yeah, and what do they need more than anything? A starter. A starter. And they have – now, they, they don't put Jock Peterson in the outfield. You know, that, okay, whatever. They have Joe Adele, who's one of the top prospects in baseball. They could potentially, you know, have start opening day on the Why roster. Why would you not put Jock in the outfield? Well, I'm saying if you don't get him, if you're not getting him now. You, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, your yeah. fallback plan. Well, where are you going to play him if you're the Dodgers, if you have Mookie Betts? Well, I've heard they need to cut down two spots – on their 40 man and uh Jock's only making 7.75 this year after he lost his arbitration hearing. Well, is this a Artie Moreno does not like being put on the back burner? There was a lot of talk, talk over the weekend that Artie Moreno did not like the way the deal is being negotiated. Here's what Billy Epler said earlier today. There are a lot of components in deals that we need to be that need to be satisfied before you get to a point where you are calling players and informing them. We weren't able to get to that point and in fairness to our players and the players with other organizations we won't comment further than that. So, to me, it feels like Artie Moreno and Billy Apple were not happy with the way this went down, especially Artie Moreno, who said he was seen as furious with the, how this is all uh, going down. But it's business. I mean, relax, Artie. It's business. I can't trade you. It, it, it's not our fault. If we're the Dodgers, it's not our fault that Bloom made a deal and then it's like he got scolded by the media and the fan base. That's not that's not the Dodgers' fault. Dodgers thought the Dodgers had a deal. 
How about that? Doesn't the Dodgers show you everything that you don't want the power arm from Minnesota? This Gratterall guy who pitched in nine games? And watch a video of him. He looks nasty. Dodgers are like, we'll take him. I mean, this has been an absolute nightmare for the Boston Red Sox. And I've loved every minute of it. <laughs> I have loved watching this. It, it, it is a, it, I mean, th- they are in a nightmare situation. And you're, I can't, I, how, do you, how, do you, how do you get out of this? I mean, this just kind of feels like they're circling the drain right now. And I know people keep saying, hey, look at the talent on the roster. I just, there's so much negativity. They don't even have a manager. Now, there's something that I read today. I think we got to talk about Major League Baseball. Because the Wall Street Journal, not only from what we're hearing about the Red Sox, but the Wall Street Journal has come out with an article about the Houston Astros. Major League Baseball's got some explaining to do. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All right, Sean Doolittle from ESPN. Not Sean Doolittle. (laughs) A little slip there. Not everybody. Bradford Doolittle from... ESPN.com will join us coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Now, remember when I said I thought it was kind of fishy how Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, how fishy it was that I think it was, I don't know, 40 minutes or so after the report came down about the Astros and the penalties, I think it was under an hour, that Jim Crane was in a suit at Minute Maid Park and firing and announcing the firing of his manager and his general manager. And he had talked to both already. I just found it like this seems a little scripted. Like, Major League Baseball, and it wouldn't shock me, and, and that's there's nothing foul play here. The commissioner does work for the teams. The commissioner works for the owners. But it kind of felt like baseball called up Jim Crane days before and said, all right, we're going to announce this. I, I What day was it? It was, uh, I don't even remember what day it was. But they call him up and say, all right, this is what's going on. And this is the day we're going to announce it. Otherwise, there's no way that Major League Baseball kept this secret. Let the Astros know what happened. And within a span of like 40 minutes, the owner fires the manager, fires the GM, has a suit on, and he's there at Minute Maid Park breaking the news. They had to have known ahead of time. And so it was all set up. Now, they want you to believe that they notified the Astros. The Astros then went, oh, this is horrible. 
Uh, now we're firing the manager. Now we're firing the GM. That's what they want you to believe. But there had to have been talk before, and now I think we're seeing it again. Because we're hearing Ron Renicky could be hired as the manager of the Boston Red Sox very soon. So that would mean Major League Baseball has told the Red Sox that Renicky is not involved in the scandal. Because Lou Merloni told us, because I asked Lou, who's going to join us later today, I'm like, why don't you just hire Renicky? Obviously, the guy knows what he's doing. Uh, he, he'll be his second time as a manager after being with the Brewers for years, being on Mike Sosha's staff. And Renicky said, you can't do – I mean, um, Lou Merloni said you can't do that because if he's implemented in the investigation and you've already hired him, that means you're going to have to fire two managers in one offseason. And I went, boy, that really makes sense. But now they're floating it out there. Trust me, all this is floated out there by the teams. And if it's player-related, it could be floated out there by agents. But the teams are floating this out there. So probably baseball has already told them because uh, Manfred said on, I don't know if it was Thursday or Friday, I kind of I was down at Pebble Beach for three days, so things are a little fuzzy for me. Um, but I know at some point, Manfred got up and talked and said it was coming this week. So obviously he tells the Red Sox, Renicky is not involved. So now that they can float it out there, that Renicky could be the guy that's going to be the next manager. But then you have this story in the Wall Street Journal. And it's a story that basically, I mean, it, it lets you know that what we've been talking about is accurate. There's no way this was just player-driven. This is no way this is just lower-level employees. The Wall Street Journal has put out this long article about the stealing the signs. We've got names to it now that Houston was involved in dark arts. You know, they had, it, was, it was Operation Codebreaker. You had lower-level employees, as they like to call them, going to Jeffrey Lunau, the, G the general manager, saying, look, this is how we can do it. And it started in 2016, and they did it in 17, and they did it in 18. But in 18, they started to realize, uh-oh, people are figuring this out. And one of those teams was the Oakland Athletics. What is really fishy about this article in the Wall Street Journal. You want scandalous. Guess whose brother works for the Wall Street Journal? As I'm snapping my finger like I'm Billy Bean Wait, you want me to, pointing what, to Paul you, DePodesta. You, you want me to speak? What does he do? He works for the Wall Street Journal. Jeffrey Luno's brother. He gets on base. Uh, yeah, Jeffrey Luno's brother works for the Wall Street Journal. Huh, isn't that fishy? Now, I don't know if this article, reading this article, if this if if I'm leaking this to my brother, Cody, do you think this this article makes him sound good? This article really implements him. Implements him. Um shows again yeah, no, implements, sorry. no shows no remorse at all. No remorse, implements him, but maybe just maybe. Jeffrey Luno knows I'm done in baseball. There's no way I'm getting a job again. So what he wants to – because there's guys that are a part of this article are still working for the Houston Astros. I believe people did research over the, uh, on Friday. 
I haven't, I haven't got a chance to check, but I'm going to trust them because they're trusted people on Twitter. They say that on their website that they, they still work for the Astros. One of them was an intern back in 2016 who initially started the whole thing. He showed him like a PowerPoint presentation to Luno. And then there's one other person. They both now still, according to the website, work for the Houston Astros. Uh, that's a little little odd that you fire the general manager, but keep the lower level employees who are technically behind it with him. But the whole idea of the Wall Street Journal and Luno's brother working for them is uh, very interesting. So yes, uh, yeah, it was yesterday. Speaking with somebody, I won't use their name, but they're really, really smart. They're an engineer in our business. He's an engineer in our business. And we sat down in the press lounge at Pebble Beach and had a long conversation about this. And when you really start to think of how to make this just work, okay, Alex Cora, no matter whether it was Houston or Boston, Alex Cora's not getting in his car, driving down to Best Buy, buying a television, multiple televisions, and cameras, right? He's not going there and putting it on the Astros or Red Sox company card. And then just picture Alex Cora walking the television. You know, he's got – he's walking he's, he's walking out with all the goods, right? All the goods in a shopping cart. And he's walking out to his car, putting it in the back of his car, driving to Minute Maid Park or driving to Fenway Park. And then walking out to center field and putting the camera up. Oh, you know, okay, looks great. I can zoom in on the catcher. And then taking some type of hard wiring and taking it all through the stadium and taking it right by the dugout in Houston. Do you get my point? Alex Cora, I bet, knowing how old he is, I bet doesn't know how to do that. Like, if you ask me, or if you ask Cody, hey, uh, we're going to have this scheme, and we need to just make it work. Okay, forget about co- Operation Codebreaker, right? The, 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 the MIT guys can make that happen for you. But somebody's got to set all this up. Somehow you've got to connect the, the camera to the dugout, and it has to be in real time, or you can't steal the signs. So it can't be on Wi-Fi. It's got to be hard connected. So I'm talking to this engineer who uh, has worked in, in baseball for many, many years going, oh, yeah, come on. I mean, you got the whole so, – there, there'd be a lot of people involved in that to make that happen. But but the whole Wall Street Journal thing and Lunau's bro, brother works for – so basically Lunau's telling everybody he knows he's not working in baseball again. So he's putting it out there. And I told you this would happen. I told you. The, the, the closer we get to spring training, people are going to start ratting on each other. And that whole A.J. Hinch interview on MLB, that was purely an interview to try and get another job. Ah, it's my fault. Put it on me. I accept the suspension. Hey, did you use buzzers? Hey, I can't talk about that. Well, don't give it away. We, we I have a couple song clips that we're going to play yeah, later. Yeah, can't talk about that. Well, I thought we. I thought you're all in on this. He he stands up there. I'm sorry. I own it. And now he'll get another job. But I told you. 
I told you the closer we get and once we get to spring training, people are going to try and separate themselves. Oh, my God, Dallas Keuchel, I'm sorry. Charlie Morton now, I'm sorry. They're pitchers. We haven't heard one hitter. So I'm telling you, yesterday down at Pebble Beach, I saw Verlander on number 14, and people were yelling, cheater. You're a cheater. Verlander didn't cheat. Verlander's a pitcher. Now, Verlander capitalizes off the hitters cheating, no question. But he's not the one cheating. People from the gallery were yelling cheater. Jim Crane walked off a Bay Area sports station when he got asked about the asterisk, the, the shirts, the asterisk, about the asterisk. What's the actual name? It's the uh, Houston asterisk. It's a Barstool Sports yeah. shirt. So Jim Crane walked off the interview. We're not even at spring training yet. If you're getting heckled at Pebble Beach, what do you think it's going to be like in Anaheim? What do you think it's going to be like in Oakland for the first two series? I was watching MLB Now earlier. What do you think it's going to be like? How about this? What do you think it's going to be like for not only the Astros, but the Red Sox at Yankee Stadium? See, I was looking at the schedule for the the Astros play – the Yankees sometime earlier in the season, I believe, at home, but they don't go to New York till the last week of the se- of the season. That's when the Astros go to New York. But the Red Sox and Yankees play how many times a year? Nineteen. Yeah, they're going to hear a lot of it, even if you know they, we found out Alex Cora really didn't have a lot to do with it or something like that. It doesn't matter. They're they're going to hear a lot about it because they won that World Series title in 2018. MLB now today, Mike Petrello is on there with Jason Stark, John Smoltz, and your guy Brian Kenny, and Mike said that. He feels this is about 40% of the way done. He feels like, you know, there's more stuff that's going to keep coming out. We're about 40, 40% through, you know, the different stories. It's, do you think the Wall Street Journal could have, you know, timed this any better? They released this article like an hour before the uh, exclusive with AJ Hinch was supposed to air on Friday. It's a really good timing because then you look at the, the, the Hinch interview, couldn't have been asked about any of this stuff because he didn't know that it was taped earlier in the week. It's like we never get the complete story. There's also something in, in the, the Wall Street Journal uh, part two. The emails that were sent back and forth between Koch Wetzler and uh, Jeffrey Luno, the emails were called road notes is what they called it. And then in, this is what one of the emails says. This is on, this is on August 26, 2017. This is what uh, Notch, or Koch Wetzler wrote to Luno. The system, our dark arts sign-stealing department, has been less productive in the second half as the league has become aware of our reputation and now most clubs change their signs a dozen times per game. He added that struggling teams like the Toronto Blue Jays and Oakland Athletics seemed to not care as much. That's not, I, I, I can tell you that's not true. I can tell you that's 100% not true. They cared. I uh, they cared. Just look at the way they handle, you know, I wish transparency. I wish there was real transparency. Did we ever really get transparency on the baseball this last year? Nope. We didn't get tra- we didn't get transparency. And clearly now like I told you, people are people are going to want to separate themselves. I said this right after they were suspended, that they're going to want to separate themselves. And once they get to spring training, there's other guys who are going to start leaking it because they want to, hey, it wasn't me. It was, uh, hey, hey, off the record, wasn't me. It was that guy. 
You can't tell me Jeffrey Lunau did not talk to his brother who works for the Wall Street Journal, and then they break this. Come on. Bradford Doolittle joins us here on A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Bradford, how are you today? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing well, and I, and I was just telling the story about if we're wondering how the Astros are going to get treated, um, I'll give you an idea. I was down at Pebble Beach this weekend at the AT&T where Justin Verlander and Jim Crane were both playing in it, and uh, I only saw Verlander for two holes, and on both the holes, people are yelling cheater at him. So if you're getting heckled at a golf tournament, can you imagine what's going to be like when you get to the regular season? Well, if, uh, if baseball ever felt like it needed a, a, a baseball version of the Oakland Raiders, I think they have finally found it. Yeah, that, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, when I think about what came out in the Wall Street Journal, I don't know if you got to read it. I don't know if you know about the uh, Jeffrey Leno's brother is actually works for the Wall Street Journal. What did you think about that, that article and, and all of its contents? Well, it just it raises more questions, you know, just when you think you're to the point that we're we're ready to move forward and, and get on with the 2020 season. Um, now it suddenly seems like uh, even after all of the investigating that MLB did, that there are perhaps more layers to this. And um, that's disappointing, you know, but uh, I don't know if MLB is going to look into that. Um, I haven't seen that they've addressed it publicly, uh, but, you know, right now the, the commissioner's report stands that it was a player driven and player executed scheme. Um, this report certainly makes it seem like it went a little deeper than that. So we'll have to see what happens. I mean, the story just seems to evolve like every few days. Yeah. And I, right before you came on, I was talking about transparency and I just, I, I don't feel like we're getting that with Houston. I doubt we're going to get it with Boston. And I don't think we have gotten it with the baseball from last year, whether it's the baseball that was used in season versus the baseball used in the postseason. I just don't think there's been a lot of transparency for the fans. Yeah. I mean, I miss some of this, like, especially with the baseball. I mean, I think that's just, kind of a, a mystery to the the officials at baseball themselves. You know, I don't think they really understood why the ball was behaving differently. And I don't think they understood why it, you know, why it behaved one way during the regular season and then seemed to uh, play differently when we got to October. So, you know, it, it, they, they tried to be transparent with the report they released on the Astros. They, they were very detailed in it and, and talked about everything that they went through and so that, I thought, was a step in the right direction because they don't have a great track record of being transparent on these things. But then when you get a report like what came out in the Wall Street Journal, it does raise questions that, you know, is, is there, are there things that they failed to look at? Are there things that they maybe got um, a glimpse of and, and, and didn't, you know, make that public? So, you know, like I said, it's a story that keeps evolving. And, and I think uh, there's going to be more news breaking in this as we go along. What do you think happens with the Boston Red Sox? Do you think they get a stiffer penalty than the Astros because they'll be second second time offenders? Uh, well, I, I think the key figure in this is probably going to be Alex Cora because of his involvement over two different teams in this kind of activity. Um, you now, it really depends on the nature of what they find. I think Alex Cora is going to end up getting – 
hit even harder than uh, A.J. Hinch did in terms of not only being suspended for this coming season, but maybe for uh, even longer than that. I don't think he'll get kicked out of baseball, but, um, you know, I think the hammer is going to come down on him pretty hard. Uh, the commissioner said last week that no, no players on the Red Sox are going to be penalized with whatever findings they come up with. So, um, you know, I think we'll see something similar. Maybe uh, the, the, the Red Sox will be hit even harder in terms of a drastic penalty or a reduction of their international um, spending pool. Um, I'm sure they'll get fined the, the maximum $5 million that the commissioner can levy against the franchise. Um, but I would think it would just end up looking very similar to what happened to the Astros, assuming that, you know, the, the investigation confirms what has been rumored about them. Bradford Doolittle from ESPN joins us here on A's Cast Live. And uh, speaking of A.J. Hinch, she did the interview with Tom Verducci on MLB Network. What did you think of that interview? Well, I thought, uh, I thought A.J. did what he needs to be doing to sort of move things forward and heal the wounds. Um, and, you know, that was sort of undermined by the fact that that Wall Street Journal report came out just literally minutes before uh, that telecast went national. I'm sure that was no coincidence. Um, but, you know, he accepted responsibility, no matter how Verducci tried to, to uh, introduce different tangents to the conversation. Um, AJ kept bringing it back on himself that no matter what happened, he was the manager, it happened on him, his watch. He feels responsible. He regrets that he didn't do anything about it. It's still hard really for me to understand why if, if he hated what was happening so much that he was actually going after equipment that he didn't hold a club meeting and say, hey, knock this stuff off right now. We're not going to have it. This is not what we're going to be about. But, um, you know, I think he he did he's doing what he needs to do in terms of accepting responsibility. And, you know, now he's going to have a year off to uh, – to learn his lessons. Yeah, now we're hearing the pitchers, the former Astros apologize, which I don't think they have to apologize. Uh, you know, I, I, D- Dallas Keuchel or Charlie Morton, I don't want to hear from them. I don't care what they really have. I mean, I, this is about the Astros hitters, and they've really gone dark. And the and the longer they they don't come out and say anything, the more the information comes out. The worse and worse it gets. We're hearing this started in 2016. This was being implemented through parts of 2018. That it was happening not only at home, but it was happening on the road. Uh, do you think that? Do you think the Astro the Astros hitters are not doing themselves any justice by by going dark and not owning any of this? I, I do think it's uh, it's just going to make things worse for themselves as we go forward. I mean, they, they need to not only uh, come out and apologize in you know sort of an obligatory way that sometimes you see in in a at the end of a scandal, but in a very honest and contrite way. Um, part of what could be going on is the commissioner did not specify which players were and were not involved, or if they all were involved, or you know. And if one guy that's, I'm, I'm just using this as a hypothetical example, but say Alex Bregman comes out and say, I'm really sorry for all this that happened, then people are going to think that he was a ringleader or, or, you know, participated in this more heavily than anybody else, which we don't know. 
So that could be playing into it, the fact that the commissioner didn't specify which players were involved, and maybe that's making some of them hesitant to, to speak up. But they do need to come up and make, whether it's as a group or as individuals, make an apology, express some remorse, and um, only then can we start to move forward. It's not like people are going to let them off the hook at that point. Um, but it's a stubborn group, and I don't know. I honestly don't know uh, what's going to happen. But their owner said they were going to apologize. When the guy signing the paycheck says they're going to apologize, I have to believe that it's going to come at some point. You had a fun article earlier this year, and the title was Way Too Early 2020 MLB Starting Lineup Rankings. Number one, you had Houston. Number two, you had Dodgers. But the Dodgers lineup has just has just changed a little bit with Mookie Betts. Uh, uh, would that change? Would you flip now the Dodgers and the Astros now that Mookie will be playing right field for the Dodgers? Yeah, I actually just came out with an update, not on the whole lineup rankings, but just uh, the Dodgers have jumped over Houston for the top lineup of the majors, and I have a a new piece out today that goes into the reasons for that. You know, you take one of the best lineups in baseball that if they didn't really have any real weaknesses, but they weren't as good, you know, in terms of batting average and strikeout percentage and team speed as they were in, you know, in total power and, and you know, walks and that kind of thing. Those are all the things that Mookie Betts is great at. So you take one of the best lineups in the majors, you add one of the best players in the majors, you know, it's he's one of the few people that they could acquire and actually get better, but they've done that, and they do have, in my opinion, the best lineup in the major leagues now. For our Oakland A's, you rank the A's sixth, and really the only question in the lineup is who is going to be at second base for the A's, and, you know, that's a great problem to have going into spring training. You're only worried about second base. Talk about what you see with the athletics lineup. There's a lot of firepower there. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tremendous amount of firepower. There's a lot of guys that either are right in their prime or just entering their prime, so you feel real confident in their track records. Um, you know, they have some some genuine stars in, in Olsen and Chapman and Simeon, and they have power up and down the lineup. I mean, they, they have seven guys at least that can project to hit 20 or more homers, several guys with 30. If Chris Davis bounces back, they could have two or three guys with 40, and if they find you know an everyday answer at second base, it's a lineup where you 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 can't take any at bats off. You're gonna have to concern yourself with the long ball with no matter who's coming up to the plate. And it's a very disciplined team. Strikeout rate's a little high, but you know that's kind of the A's you know that's the A's approach. You know, uh, uh, take and rake, and um, they do it extremely well. So I think it's it's going to be one of the the most potent offensive units in the league, and that's before you even get in talking about how good this group is defensively. And then I think about the Angels, who uh, you have fourth on the list. I, I'm sorry I haven't seen the new list. I'm going off the old one. But you got them at four. And I just wonder, do you really think that the deal between the Dodgers and the Angels is over? Or do you think Jock Peterson will be in that Angels lineup? And if he is in that Angels lineup, how does that change for you, the Angels? Well, um, Right now, I don't have Jock Peterson in, in the numbers, so that number four ranking is, is prior to that trade, and it, it really wouldn't have changed much if they had gotten him. Um, I haven't heard anything to, to indicate that that's going to be revived, the, the, the Jock going from the Dodgers 
to the Angels. It creates an awful playing time crunch for, for Peterson with the Dodgers. And they also, you know, right now, at, when the, the, the deals uh, with Minnesota and Boston go official, the Dodgers are going to have 42 guys on their 40-man roster, so something's going to have to happen. They do have some guys lower on the pecking order that they can, that they can cut. But, uh, um, you know, for the Angels, I almost think it's a mixed blessing if uh, they end up not getting Peterson. And it's only because they have one of the top two or three prospects in baseball, an outfielder, Joe Adele. He doesn't have any major league experience as yet. He's extremely toolsy, and maybe they want to take it uh, slow with him and not rush him along. But I really like the idea because we've seen guys um, just sort of burst onto the, the scene the last few years. You know, they come into the major leagues and they're just – they're ready to jump right into stardom. Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna and guys like that. Adele has that kind of talent. Now, whether he's ready to make the same kind of leap, you know, it's, it's hard to say. If you acquire Peterson, you're almost blocking Adele's opportunity. And I kind of like the idea of them using stopgap players at an outfield spot. And if Adele's ready um, later on this season, they can plug him right in. And that gives the team even more upside than they already have. Good stuff, Bradford. We appreciate it. We'll be calling you soon, and uh, baseball is right around the corner. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I'm gl- I'll be glad when we can just talk about baseball again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. Thanks so much. Anytime, guys. Bradford Doolittle from ESPN. All right. There's a couple things that we need to react to for what he just said, and also Hammer and Hank. Hank Aaron's come out with a statement. And boy, is it big. We'll talk about it right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. How's everybody doing on a Monday? Coming up here, we're going to talk to Kerry Crowley from Scottsdale, Arizona. He covers the Giants, and we'll check in with him as, you know, during spring training, we're going to be checking in with everybody. I thought it was just, I I couldn't believe my phone when it was buzzing. They they signed Hunter Pence? That just makes no sense. It's like, why why would you keep getting older? That just makes no sense to me. What's what's their biggest um, tagline, hashtag, hashtag forever giant? Pablo Sandoval. Like, don't you want to find some some young players and find out if your young players can't play? We'll get into that with Kerry Crowley. You know how exciting it would be if they had Puig? Yeah, you don't. Well, ask him about Puig. He's the same age as Alex Dickerson and Mike Yashremski, who are the big guys they were counting on last year. And Puig is a much better player than both of them. How old is Hunt? 37? Uh, Pence is, a yeah, 37. He had a, he was an all-star last year. I, we know. We watched him play with Texas. Then he got hurt. But he's not the future. N- n- no. I think last year was an outlier for him. You know how much I love an outlier. Wow. I think last year was an outlier for him because everyone was hitting home runs last year, as we know. And he had 18 before he got hurt. You just wonder the relationship between Farhan and ownership. Because ownership's so worried about tickets, so worried about money, and losing means no one's in the ballpark. But, you know, being in last place with Hunter Pence is not going to sell tickets, and it doesn't help you for the future. So we'll get into that coming up here. Uh, take and rake, by the way, by Bradford Doolittle. I, 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 I think 
I think it kind of sums it up for the athletics. Take and rake. I don't love that theory because I like putting the ball in play. I like home runs. I'll take walks. But home runs and walks, I like when you're putting the ball in play, especially in the postseason. Put the ball in play. But uh, take and rake was interesting. There was a lot of interesting stuff what he had to say there. And it's going to come down this week. Hammering Hank, one of the greatest players of all time, Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron said on the Today Show that anyone who participated should be out. Here he is. Were you surprised? I was surprised. They didn't steal signs back in your day? They did. They didn't steal them that way. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think the punishment fit the crime? No, I don't. I I think whoever did that should be out of baseball the rest of their life. Wow. From one of the all-time greats. That's pretty harsh. But that's how Henry Aaron feels. How kind of like like old players, they, they got to be – the old Hall of Famers, they're looking at this going, hey, man, this is so out of line. This is way out of line. Um, The whole send people out forever is, is really a – You know, even though however you feel about Pete, I mean, the penalty is just so great. I mean, really what you're doing is is you're taking away people's livelihood. I know this is scandalous. I know this is wrong. But I don't want to keep a guy from being able to make money for the rest of his life. I mean, taking a guy like A.J. Hinch, for example, and suspending him for the year, This is a stain. You're going to embarrass him. You're going to take money away from him. And it's embarrassing. He's got to walk around town. He's going to drive around wherever he goes to dinner, wherever he goes, the grocery store, wherever he goes to Starbucks. He's going to have, hey, that's the guy that's suspended for the year. Hey, that's the guy who was cheating. And he's lost all this money. Isn't that enough? Seriously, isn't that enough? I don't know what the Alex Cora could be in really big trouble, but for Alex, maybe it's two years. But remember, the, the, the whole thing about kicking you out of the game for a while, that, 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 that puts such a stain on you. I just... To say to someone, you can never make money again in our game. Was it that bad? I I think this is a major scandal, but I don't think it's that bad. To take away someone's livelihood forever. You, you, you ban them for a while. It embarrasses them. If this doesn't teach them, like if A.J. Hinch comes back and gets another gig, and does it again? Okay. Then you want to ban him for life? Okay. I mean, if you didn't learn from what we – if you didn't learn from the year away from the game, 
But I think a one year away from the game, pretty harsh. Hey, there's a reason why Alex Cora took it to, to, to Boston. What we think. We got to wait to hear. But, and, and remember, Beltron and Alex Cora, they haven't been disciplined yet. It's only Hinch and Lunau who are suspended for the year. They haven't weighed in on Beltron yet. Beltron just got fired. They haven't weighed in on Korak. Uh, on, uh, not Korak. Korak getting suspended? No, they haven't weighed in on Korak. So we don't know. They've Those guys have just been fired. They haven't been suspended. I So that's going to come down this week. The Dodgers now, according to Doolittle, Bradford Doolittle, have overtaken the Houston Astros for the top lineup in baseball. I mean, they're going to have to do something. They're going to make some moves. I mean, you're, you're, you got to you got to add you got to add Mookie and Price to the forty man roster. So maybe I don't know. How about bringing Jock Peterson home? Palo Alto kid. Do you know he was a really good high school football player, Commander Cody? In Palo Alto? I just knew he was a really good baseball player. And I found out from interviewing Mark Canna's family, Mark Canna was good at everything. He was a really good hockey player, from what I've heard. Mark Canna played hockey? Played hockey. What, San, what at San Jose Ice? Uh, yeah, I'm assuming Probert. Which is literally like... Five minutes from my house. He was a great st- – I've heard stuff about Jock. and Oh, we got to get into spring training about, about Canna. He's like, you played – that. that's the thing. It's the greatness of the great one, Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky goes to Los Angeles and changed hockey forever. The great one who was playing with his – he's not his son-in-law yet. I don't think they've been married yet, but they've been together for a long time. The great uh, Dustin Johnson. Yeah, so he's playing Dustin Johnson. But, yeah, Wayne Gretzky R- Wayne Gretzky goes to Los Angeles. Hockey kind of blew up. And now that the Sharks have been around since 1991, there, there's kids that get drafted out of San Jose. Like, whoever would have thought Bay Area would produce guys getting drafted in the NHL draft. One of the best players in hockey was born in San Ramon but moved to Arizona, Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's one of the best players. When I think hockey, I think the Valley of the Sun. Yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> Apparently, uh, I found this out from working um, with other people when I had my job at Yahoo over the football season. Our producer there was went to Arizona State, and he told me how Arizona State's hockey team has gotten different kids. Uh, like Mario Lemieux's kid goes there, uh, Daniel Briere's kid go. Like all these former famous hockey players, their kids are playing at Arizona State for Ma- hockey. Mario Lemieux's son plays at Arizona State for hockey. He probably grew up in Pittsburgh, though. Yeah, Mario has a house. I mean, Sidney Crosby lived with Mario for like the first like ten years of his career in Pittsburgh. But you know, when you're Mario Lemieux, you probably got a pad, and in Pittsburgh, it's not it's not that expensive. Probably Arizona. Yeah, but he's probably got multiple. See, it's like these rich guys that are that that are that are connected to a city. They'll have a spot in that city, and then they'll have a spot in either Florida or Arizona. Like the great one, the great one still has a, a pad in Los Angeles, and then he's got he's got he's got property uh, down in Arizona. 
That's crazy. Can you imagine Mario Lemieux's kids playing at Arizona State? Yeah, Austin Lemieux, uh, Shane Doan's son, Josh, and Scott Niedermeyer's son are all playing there. And then they're getting, like, Briere's kid to go there and, like, one other guy. Are they really good? Uh, the last time I checked, um, they were okay. I don't think they're really setting the world on fire in hockey, but I'm like, it's kind of hard to do. I mean, this hockey itself thriving in Arizona is crazy because the Coyotes are there, and they're good every couple of years. They actually have a nice team this year, but it's um, – it's crazy that these kids are playing hockey at Arizona State like Mario's kid. Have you ever been to Tempe, Arizona and Arizona State? Um, I've been to Scottsdale, which isn't far from Arizona State, but I have not been to Arizona State's campus. There's a lot of students there. They got a lot of kids. We work with a few of them. The yeah. great Joey Libertori is an Arizona State yeah. alum. It, 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 let me tell you something. It would not be a bad place to go to school, other than when it's hot. But it would not be. It would be a. It would be a fun, fun. Uh, you know, if my kids ever said, "Daddy, we want to go to Arizona State," the answer would be, "Hell no, you're not going to Arizona State." You know what that school was like for us on the East Coast? There was one school on the East Coast that's a very big party school. They're a pretty big school. I mean, they're in the, they're in the uh, what is it? The Big Twelve now, but they were in the they were in the Big East before. Rutgers? One no. Um, Think south of Pennsylvania. Um, one of the biggest party schools in the country, and especially on the East Coast, the great West Virginia Mountaineers. Everyone literally went to party at West Virginia. That's a really? huge party school, yeah. I mean, besides I did not know that. Party there. They burned the couches. They got everything going on. Like, West Virginia is, nowhere, is nothing like Arizona State. Hey, and I'm not saying to you Sun Devils, and you got your Forkham deal, I'm not saying it's not a good education, right? I'm just saying... I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I, 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 there's a lot of trouble to be had down in Arizona. I'm not sending my kid to University of Arizona. You talk partying, my God. We will be partying down in Arizona very soon as we're taking the band down to uh, spring training. Well, actually, the party starts in Vegas. Yeah, that's the problem. We're starting out in Vegas, which that's never a good idea. I can't wait. My first time back in Vegas in oh, four years. I was thinking about this. Spring training is a lot of fun. But to start start my spring training adventures in Vegas, I mean, that it, the, 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 it's going to go downhill. I mean, it's going to be you – can't, you can't be in Las Vegas and then hang out in downtown Scottsdale for eight days. That's got trouble. Do you realize how expensive this trip is going to be? Oh. I might I might have to detox myself and get myself prepared for all the food and fun that we are going to have down in Vegas and then Arizona. I mean, we had a good couple days in San Diego. We were only there for, what, two, day, two nights? Oh, we had to get out. I had to get out. Just had to get out. Had to get out of the gas lamp. Uh, ask our good friend Mike Farron. He was there with us. The gas lamp was not good for us. Whatsoever, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, just think that think you're starting this 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 trip. It's about broadcasting first and foremost, but then being out at night, or you want to just sit in the hotel room and watch film. Let's be honest, I'll probably sit in the hotel room and watch baseball or something. And you're read a book. I'll probably do some work. <laughs> when I went to when I went to Napa for um, for why am I drawing a blank on training camp with the Raiders a couple of years ago. When the guys I went with went out, I sat in the room and 
did work. Why? I don't. I mean, did you really want to go hang out with married guy Haberman? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Good point. Good point. All righty. Earlier today, we caught up with Kerry Crowley, who covers the San Francisco Giants for the San Jose Mercury News. We're going to talk about Giants being older. We'll talk about the ballpark. We'll get into the National League, which is going to be very competitive. Here is my conversation with Kerry Crowley from the San Jose Mercury News. Well, you know, we always appreciate the time, and uh, you're off to an early start there down in, in Scottsdale, Arizona. Yeah, Giants, I thought we were going to report on Monday, but it turns out that they're reporting Tuesday, new complex open, $50 million building with a new clubhouse, training room, weight room, and then uh, the first workout is Wednesday. So uh, they're, they're getting underway earlier than usual, and the season starts earlier than usual. We're up to, like, March 26th now, Townie, so... Uh, you know, the baseball season is going to be over before October uh, if, if they keep this up. Where did they build this? Because obviously there's not a lot of land left there in Scottsdale, Arizona. Is this uh, like one of their – I know there's an area down the right field line. Is that where they did this? Yeah, that's exactly where they did it, and that's really the only place they could put it. It's a 10,000-square-foot complex. They kind of tucked in. Uh, they, they took out a few parking spaces from what I understand, and it's – right in front of that back field at Scottsdale Stadium. So adjacent to the first baseline, and really there's no extra room there. So if they want to build, they have to tear other things down from this point moving forward. Yeah, I try and tell everybody, you know, because we're out in Mesa, the Cubs are out in Mesa, Padres are in Peoria. You know, there's 15 teams all over the place. But at the end of the day, there's only one place you need to end up, and that's downtown Scottsdale. <laughs> exactly. You know, they do a bigger business in downtown Scottsdale than they do during the regular season when the team is bad at Oracle Park. I mean, you could go into the season where there's absolutely no hope like they did last year, and, you know, you're still selling $60 lawn seats on Saturday and Sunday at Scottsdale Stadium, whereas if there's no hope and it's July and August in, in Oracle Park, they're selling $6 tickets on StubHub. So the Giants are counting on all their fans coming down and enjoying the Scottsdale weather, the Scottsdale nightlife, and uh, it's hard to blame them. They've got a really good setup there. I could not believe my phone. when it, you know we, we now live in this world where if a move goes down, you're going to get notification from MLB app, ESPN's app, CBS Sports app, NBC, <laughs> Bay Area and California. I mean, you're going to get it. And I just couldn't believe it. I kept seeing it. The Giants have signed Hunter Pence. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. Why the hell would you, if you're in some type of rebuild, why are you, why are you signing Hunter Pence? So I figured this might be a strategy at the beginning of the offseason just because Farhan Zaidi loves platoon guys. He loves players who have extreme value against left-handers or right-handers. And he knows that you need a few uh, veterans to fill in some of those roles as the younger players come along. And if players have options, they'll spend time at AAA. So what this comes down to, Hunter Pence had a 327 average and a 1.015 OPS against left-handed pitchers last year. And so what this does for the Giants is if you stripped away the names of all the free agents and just put up the stats of guys and how they did against left-handed pitchers last year and figured who's going to sign for the least amount of money, who's going to take a one-year deal, the list is very short, and Hunter Pence's name is at the top of it when you do reveal the names. So he was going to be a good fit for this roster, 
Uh, it does surprise me that they were targeting a guy who will turn 37 in April, just because I, I still thought that they were looking for younger players with more value who hadn't quite been exposed yet. But uh, I guess if you're looking for someone to play 60, 70, 80 games, probably no more than that, and have them around in your clubhouse, Hunter Pence is a guy that you want. Yeah, I understand all of that. But you're not beating the Dodgers. You're not going to no, get a wild no. card with this team. Farhan knows that. I, I, if, I, if I was a Giants fan, I would say to you, I want to see the young guys, who can play and who cannot, and then we'll build off of that because I, I know that it'll be great opening day. You announce Hunter Pence, he's back. He arrives on a scooter, but he does not make you better two years from now, three years from now, five years from now. The Dodgers just traded for Mookie Betts, for God's sakes. <laughs> well, really, there, there's no one who's going to put them on that sort of a level with the Dodgers. And the big thing here is if he's playing more than 80 games, they've probably made a big mistake. They have probably uh, not developed the talent that they have in the Jalen Davis, Austin Slater, Chris Shaw guys who have kind of mastered AAA but need to come up and show what they can do in the big leagues. And they really had two open outfield spots to begin with in center field and right field. And so they just wanted a platoon partner with Alex Dickerson. And uh, I, I guess that's why you don't go with a Yasiel Puig. You go with a Hunter Pence, uh, who's someone who is not going to take every day at bats and who's going to be an asset in the clubhouse. And, you know, they're, they're talking a lot about creating culture and can creating culture and a great one get you to the level the Dodgers is at or at? No, it, it absolutely can't. But at the same time, if you do feel compelled to go add a guy on a one-year deal and you don't want him to play every day, I guess this is where you end up. If I ever would have said Madison Bumgarner is going to be in Arizona and Yasiel Puig is going to be a giant, people would have said <laughs> you're out of your mind. That will never happen. You know, we found out uh, Commander Cody, he's, he had some buddies down at the Super Bowl, and they ran into Puig, and Puig told them, and they got a picture with him, the whole thing, and Puig said he was going to go uh, talk with the Giants, and he did go talk with the Giants. Now, he he's only 29 years old. He's in his prime. He makes sense. What have we heard about the Giants and Yasiel Puig? I think that Hunter Pence took the roster spot that they were looking to give to a corner outfielder. I, I don't think that they're going to be interested in Puig anymore because they do need to keep these roster spots open for younger players. You don't sign Pence if uh, you're going to add Puig, too. You've just got way too many guys to evaluate and not enough at-bats to give them. So, uh, to me, it would be just a, a huge reversal, of course, if they brought in two of these guys, I was even surprised that they brought in one just because they have so many guys to audition. But uh, two, two really isn't going to happen, nor should it. So you were at FanFest. You got to see the new changes to the ballpark. Bullpens are not in play anymore. It was always funny. They designed the ballpark and didn't even think about bullpens. But they're, <laughs> they, they now, I guess the Kale Garden is gone, so that's bad news for Hunter Pence. So you got the bullpens now. Uh, 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 over the wall and they've moved the fences in how does oracle park look it looks like there's still a significant amount of construction to be done before opening day and it's it's still hard to see what the wall is going to look like because they're pulled way in right now so they're digging uh, where the new outfield wall is going to go so it's hard to get a real accurate look but to me the biggest change 
isn't going to come out in right center field. It's going to come in dead center field where the Giants only have 399 feet out to center, and they're bringing it in eight feet there. So you're going to see 391 to dead center, which is the second shortest distance in all of the major leagues. And I think that with the amount of balls we've seen where center fielders catch them at the wall or jump and make leaps at the wall uh, to catch them in, in Oracle Park, we're going to see a lot more runs just based on where the center field fence is. I don't think the right center field triple valley uh, is going to be the big difference maker. So maybe that hurts Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford. But uh, I think the park is significantly better for right-handed hitters because of this. Yeah, right-handed power has definitely played. I mean, when you think about guys like Jeff Kent and Ellis Burks and Andres Galarraga and some guys that really could, because that was the – I mean, Bonds was the only guy hitting it into the bay, right? I mean, that was it back mm-hmm. in the day. But you could, and now they're making it easier for right-handed hitters. Maybe that'll be more attractive to free agents. We'll see down the line. Now that, you know, we're, we're getting close as, as pitchers and catchers are reporting this week, we're going to be playing games before you know it. If you had to say, okay, Dodgers, no question, are the elite team. They've won the division seven straight years. They're the elite team. Number two now, when you look at what the Diamondbacks have done this offseason, I think the Padres, they've gotten better. Emilio Pagan, they just made the trade. Uh, Kirby Yates, they've got a nasty bullpen. Who would you say is the second-best team in the division? I'd bet on the D-backs and not the Padres because every time we say a team has an elite bullpen at the beginning of the season – these guys get hurt or they don't perform relative to their, to their career averages. It's just a lot easier to bet on a better lineup. And I, I do think that even though the Padres have uh, Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis over there in San Diego, I think the D-backs, one through eight, have a better lineup. And uh, I think that their rotation altogether is a little bit stronger. And you can always kind of find your way into a bullpen, unless you were like the Washington Nationals for the first three months of the season last year. And even the Nationals proved it doesn't really matter that much uh, as they still won the World Series once they stabilized things in August and September. So I'd, I'd pick the D-backs slightly, probably three or four wins ahead of the Padres right now. Yeah, you think about the American League this year. And with the scandals going on, I could tell you, being down at Pebble Beach this weekend and listening to people rag Justin Verlander, if you're getting ragged at a golf tournament, I can't imagine what it's going to be like for these guys. Uh, so I don't know what's going to go on with Houston. We still know what's going to happen with Boston. You know, it's, it, those are rough scenarios. So really what you got is you got the A's, you got the Yankees, you got the Twins, you got the Rays. So uh, And there's a big underbelly of the American League. That's not the way in the National League. I don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I mean, we don't know yet. I mean, they got to play, but there's probably 10 to 11 teams that could, they got to be going into spring saying, you know, we got a shot. The National League's not going to, as they like to say, it's going to be no day at the beach this year. And the Giants are not one of them. They're part of that group of three or four teams, along with the Colorado Rockies, that really doesn't have a shot entering it. But I agree, the National League is going to be really interesting. And, you know, you, talk, you look at the American League with the Red Sox and the Astros going under so much scandal. This is the year for the breakthrough for the A's or the Twins. I really believe it. With this young A's pitching staff coming up, and you look at Lazardo and Puck and all the talent that they have, and that Twins lineup just absolutely mashes. So I, I think that the teams that you see kind of outside of baseball top five that are kind of in that probably 6 to 12 or even 6 to 15 range, This is going to be a really fun season for those teams and those fans because teams like the Astros and the Red Sox that uh, are 
are thought of as top five talent-wise will probably suffer uh, from a bit of the blowback that they'll face this year. You know, at our Fan Fest, I found out there is not Astros fatigue. Like, our fan, <laughs> our, our, our fan base is pissed. And, yeah, and as what, they should be. And, and, and same thing happened down at Dodgers Fan Fest. So I've talked a lot about it. Obviously, they're in our division. We're one of the teams that ha- – that we were one of the original teams to complain to Major League Baseball about this. I'm wondering when players start to show up, Giants players, they're not, they haven't been affected about this, but I wonder how they're going to feel. What do you think the feeling's going to be like that there in Scottsdale? Talk about the Astros. Uh, I think they'll probably be pretty removed from the situation. I, I don't feel like the veterans in, in Posey, Belt, Crawford, Longoria are going to say a whole lot about this because if they do, I, I think their fans will revolt a little bit and say, well, what, what, you were never in this in 2017, 2018, 2019. There's no real reason to discuss this because the Giants have so many issues of their own uh, to figure out. And so I think they're going to be one of the few teams that really doesn't have to dissect it. And maybe they'll have some veteran leaders like, like Longoria and Samarja who just have been around the game for so long and are, are a bit more outspoken, address it, and address it in interesting ways. And I know Evan Longoria has talked about it a little bit on his Twitter account, but I think that they're one of the teams that really uh, doesn't quite have a place to be talking about it right now. Let's end on this. If you go on the Buster Posey timeline, a great college player coming into the big leagues, Joey Bart, if you go on Posey's timeline, Joey Bart would be coming up this season. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think is going to happen with Buster Posey and Joey Bart? This year, next year, how, how do you think this goes down? I think that you'll probably see Joey Bart up June, July. Uh, if, for the Giants, you probably don't want to wait until August. But uh, I, I think that we'll see a lot more of Posey at first base or we'll see a lot more of Bart at first base because uh, they can rest Posey, but they do want to have Bart in there and getting uh, every day at bats or close to every day at bats. And so it won't quite be like the Benji Molina Buster Posey situation where they felt like they had to trade Benji. I, I think that Buster can play enough first, and uh, you know maybe maybe Belt becomes a trade candidate by the deadline if he has a good first half with the new fences coming in, uh, or he can play a bit of left field if uh, you know that they still have got some issues out there. So I think that. When Joey Bart is ready, they will be ready to give him every day at bats. I don't think there's a question. It'll be Buster Posey who will probably lose a bit of playing time. But if you keep him fresh and you rotate him to first base every so often, uh, I I think that this type of thing will work itself out for them. Great stuff as always, and I'll see you down in spring training in March. Looking forward to it. Kerry Crowley here on A's Cast Live. By the way, we have breaking, I can't call this news, breaking rumors in Major League Baseball. It's absolutely incredible. I love it. And I'll give it to you next right here. I'm telling you, baseball is starting to figure it out. They're going to figure it out how to make the game more exciting. This, what possibly is being reported, this rumor could make baseball far more interesting in the postseason. We'll have it for you next, right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
All right. What do we got at 2.30, Commander? Because I left my computer uh, in the other room. One of your favorite players of all time, the Garve. Steve Garvey. Got a chance to catch up. I think Garve was playing at a golf tournament. He had a charity function. So we were uh, catching up with Steve Garvey earlier today. You'll get to hear that coming up here at the bottom of the hour. All right, check this out. Joel Sherman from the New York Post has just put out an article. says, MLB plotting playoff expansion with reality TV twist. And I absolutely love it. We need to generate more excitement in this game. And I'm if you're one of the, hey, we don't need to fix anything, you're wrong. 2019 attendance was down for the seventh straight year. We need to get more people back into baseball, and there needs to be changes. And I love this idea. Major League Baseball is weighing a move from five to seven playoff teams in each league beginning in 2020. And there's a catch. The team with the best record in each league would receive a bye to avoid a wild card round. They'd go directly to the division series. So work with me here. Based off last year, the Houston Astros would have had a bye. The other two division winners and the top wild card would each host all three games in a best of three wild card round. So the bottom three wild cards would have no first round home games. The division winner with the second best record in the league. Okay, so remember, top team, they have the bye. The next team with the next best record would then, this is the reality spin, the division winner with the second best record in the league would then get the first pick. Think about that. You now get to pick whoever you want to play. From the lower three wild cards. Then the division winner with the next best record would pick the last two wild cards to play each other. So if we use the American League as the example, the Astros with the best record, they would receive the bye. The Yankees with the second best record, they would be able to pick who they wanted, and that would be the last three wildcard teams. That would have been Rays, Cleveland, and Boston. So essentially, the team with the best record gets the bye. The team with the second best record and the team with the third best record, and those are the division winners, and then the top wildcard teams, you can't take one of those teams. You can only choose from the bottom three wildcards. So the Yankees, with the second-best record, they would have their choice amongst the Rays, Indians, and Red Sox. So the Yankee, so then the next-best record would be the Twins. They would pick from that bottom group, and then the top wildcard team would take the team that the Twins or the Yankees didn't choose. I hope that's not confusing. The way I took it is the Twins will take either the Red Sox or Indians. The Yankees will take Red Sox or Indians. 
and then the Twins will take one of those two, and we'd still have A's race playing in the, in the as the wild card as the A's opponent. Because you figure the Yankees did they had a they did very well against the Rays last year. I think they were twelve and five against them or whatever. So you figure okay, maybe they take them. If not, they're going to take probably Cleveland, and then that leaves Minnesota with. Do you want to play the Rays or do you want to play Boston? And if you're in Minnesota, you probably want to play Boston because they had the worst record, and that leaves the A's playing the Rays still. But I like this idea a lot. I completely understand it. The Astros and the Dodgers would have a buy into the division series. Okay, let's, then... let's explain it one more time. So if we're going, so the best record was the Astros. The second best division winner was the Yankees. The third best was the Twins. The top wild card was the A's. And then the bottom three is the Rays, Cleveland, and Boston. So in the very first round, the Astros are out. They're, they got a buy. So then... The Yankees, the Twins, and the A's are all going to host a three-game wild-card series. And every game is going to be in New York, Minnesota, and Oakland. Yankees got the top pick of either the Rays, Cleveland, or Boston. Then the Twins have the top pick of the next two wild-card teams. And who's ever left standing at the bottom three would take on the top wild-card, which would be the A's. And then all that goes into Division Series, ALCS, to, to World Series. Now, here's the kicker. The plan is to have, like, a selection show like the NCAA does. And they would do it Sunday night because now we all play on the same day. I mean, we all play on Sunday at the same time. So they would do a selection show at the at, on Sunday night when the regular season ends. And they'd probably have them like somewhere like in New York and they would have a representative picking teams on live TV. So you could have had Billy Bean and Brian Cashman. You could have had these guys picking who they want to play in the playoffs. That is genius. I feel bad for the wildcard team, though. The first wildcard because it's essentially Billy Bean on there going – well, it looks like we're playing the Rays because the other well, two Well, no, teams, you don't know. I mean, if you're If the you're main, going off the standings from last year, the other two teams would already pick, so the, it's just Billy would just be giving an analysis of the team they're playing. The Yankees dominate the Rays. Well, yeah. So why wouldn't they take the Rays? Okay, so they say they play the Rays, then Cleveland or, the, Ray, the Rays traditionally have been awful at Yankee Stadium. Uh, yeah, well, we we talked about that last year, very bad. Like there could be a team there could be a team like I don't know, Cleveland, where you say right out of the gate, I don't want to face Kluber, Bauer, Clevenger. So even though Cleveland's the sixth team here in the wild card, do you want to play them? Oh, not with that pitching staff. No. Right? So you got Boston, who doesn't really, I mean, you got. And the Rays, who didn't have a ton of depth. I'm just saying, it's not guaranteed that that would happen. I was just looking at it that, you know, the Yankees will take whoever, and then the Twins will take, you know, between Boston, whoever's left between Cleveland and Boston, and then all that's left is the A's, and there's one team left. So the A's don't even get to pick. They just essentially get slotted who's left. Yeah. And well, then, that, well that, that's about winning your division. you Because know, what this does, this keeps more people in the game. Yeah, you won't have you won't have it cuts down on tanking, first of all. Just think about that. More teams will be looking to play in the playoffs. There will be more teams looking to add than subtract. 
you'd have far more people in cities knowing that your team has a shot. I love the idea. And I know so many people out there, I don't want change. I don't want change. Change is good. Baseball needs change. I love this idea. I really, really love this idea. And for context, we'd have if we go through the National League, you'd have the Dodgers, Braves, Cardinals as division winners, and then you'd have the Nationals and Brewers as the top two wild cards, and then you would add Arizona and it looked, um, the Mets and Arizona were the other two teams added, which, I mean, that's great for baseball because you got both New York teams in the playoffs. you got Arizona, who's an up-and-coming team in there. In the National League. And then you I, have w- the- I wish we could go, and obviously this has to be um, part of the collective bargaining agreement. So the CBA ends after the 2021 season. You negotiate this with, see, this is one of the reasons why. Where are we? We're going to put Garvey off for a second. Coming up next, you want to know why Major League Baseball is trying to play nice with the Players Union? We'll tell you next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend. Oh, this excites me. So much I'm putting it out there on Twitter. I mean, this is such a creative idea to get people's interest, to get to the ballparks, to get to the postseason. But you got to have the players. And you got to have the players union. And the players union has not been happy. They weren't happy about how Mookie Betts went down. They're not happy with a lot of stuff. But the olive branch has been put out there. The olive branch by saying, hey, listen, these Houston Astros were cheating, and it was player-driven, and we we could suspend these guys. And And the players' union would have to fight it. But what kind of fight would the players' union have? Your guys are proven cheaters. You're going to defend cheaters? Players Union, you're going to look bad. But I'm going to throw you an olive branch. I'm not going to suspend any of your guys. I'm going to have your guys. We're going to talk to them. I want honesty. And they get they they get off free. They get immunity. They're good. So the Players Union go, hey, we appreciate that. So that's why in Major League Baseball's report, they only they got Lunau, Hinch, Beltron, and Cora. That's it. Players Union's okay with that. Beltron's not a player anymore. And they'll probably do the same thing with the Boston Red Sox. And then you know what? I'm going to give you another olive branch for the CBA. I'm going to have a universal DH. They like that. That's more jobs. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to expand the roster. Hey, players you know likes that. That's more jobs. They like that. So, Major League Baseball wants to expand to 32 teams. Players Union's going to like that. 
It's all going to be in the negotiations, and they need the players' union to, to, to go along with this. And now if I think if you bring more playoff teams involved, why wouldn't the, why wouldn't the players' union like it? That's more money for the players. When the players get in the playoffs, there's more shares, more money. Major League Baseball wants to make changes. They need the players' union to help them make those changes. And at some point, the players' union is not going to have a leg to stand on because too many of its guys are getting paid. All the big boys are getting paid. If you're going to tell me you're you're not happy that the 33-year-old free agent is going to get paid, uh, I got all the guys in their 20s on the phone right now going, we don't care. And another olive branch may be, hey, we need to change the system of it's less time to free agency. So guys are getting paid earlier. Players need to get a piece of the pie. That's a reality. This is a business. We're not selling cars. Or as Billy Bean once said, we're not selling jeans. The players are the product. They need to get paid. You want to pay them earlier? Because that's what baseball's shown us. I want to pay them in their 20s when they're in their prime or they're getting into their prime. Okay, then we got to get the free agency earlier so guys are getting paid earlier. If you don't want to pay guys when they're in their 30s, then we got to get free. can all be negotiated. And that's why Joel Sherman's putting out there, this will happen in 2020 because the CBA ends in 2021. And I just think from a business standpoint – I'm looking at everything baseball is doing, for the most part, is adding more jobs. How can the players' union not like that? More big league baseball players, more big league guys getting more money. Can you really think of anything that they have proposed, Commander, that the players' union wouldn't like? Does a players' union really care about electronic strike zone? No, I think that – well, that actually helps the game, so – like, that, actually like, help, like, that helps hitters. Like, other than old old free agents not getting paid. Not old, but guys in their 30s. Oh, Josh Donaldson got paid, so. Is he an outlier? Uh, right now, yeah, pretty much. But, uh, I mean, you just had Garrett Cole's going to be making all. You got, you got guy. So many players have long-term deals right now. So many guys are making money. How could there possibly be a work stoppage? I just, I, I just don't see it. And everything that I see that baseball wants to do is adding more jobs. So how could the players' union not be for it? Uh, quickly, Joel Sherman got back to me. He says he can't do it today with us. So I'll effort him for maybe Wednesday. But, uh, yeah, there's nothing out there that the players, you know, for them to say, oh, yeah, I don't like that. Uh, more chances for teams to get into the playoffs. I think this is also good for the sport of baseball because it cuts down on the word tanking that people don't like to talk about. If there's seven playoff spots available, that means that half of the league almost has a chance to – or no, about half of the league has a chance to qualify for the playoffs. That's what it is in the NFL. That's what it is in in the NBA. And that's what it is in hockey. Half the teams have a chance to make it. I love the idea. I love the idea of getting to choose your playoff opponent. Think about that. I want to play you in the first round. Boy, the chip 
on the shoulders of the bottom three. If you're just joining us, baseball is proposing, so according to Joel Sherman of the New York Post, who you also see a lot on MLB Network, seven teams from each league will make the playoffs. The team with the best record, for example, last year, the Astros, they get a first-round bye. The next six teams, they go in order of best record. So the number two team is the team that has the best record as a division winner. The number three team is the team that had the best rec- third best record as a division winner. Then you have four wild cards. You got the top wild card spot, and that leaves you with the bottom three. And those bottom three are going to be picked by the top three. Not counting the teams, not counting the team that was the top record. Remember, the top record team gets the first round by. That's going to give you so much incentive. Who wants to be in a best of three wild card game? So the Astros would add a bye. The Yankees, then being the second best record for a division winner, would have the opportunity to pick either the Rays, Cleveland, or Boston. Then the next team is the Twins. They get their pick, and whoever they pick, that leaves the one of the bottom third wildcard teams. They play the top wildcard team. So the A's would end up either playing the Rays, Cleveland, or Boston, depending on how the draft works. And I'm telling you, those, those bottom teams would be coming in with a huge chip on their shoulder. So there'd be three games, a best of three wild card, and the bottom three wild card teams, they got to play every game on the road. I love it. I mean, this is, it brings reality TV. It brings more people into the game. I just think this is a home run. This is something that this is something that you can sell more than the three batter minimum. Like if you think of all the different things that they're trying to change in baseball, this is something this is something I think you could get a lot of people a lot of people to get on board on this. I think there's no question. And in this interview it talks about Fox's new deal with Major League Baseball, exclusive with the World Series, two division series, and the League Championship Series. This runs through 2028. And MLB, their deal with ESPN and Turner, that runs through 2021. So you could have, get this, you could have powerhouses like YouTube and Amazon fighting over new rights for Major League Baseball. So you can talk about how the attendance is down, but, man, the sport is getting more cash-rich by the minute. You know how much money Amazon or YouTube, I mean, the Amazon, my God, YouTube, what they could pay? Unreal. Absolutely unreal. At Townsend Radio, I, I, I want to see I want to see how people feel about this. I wish we could take calls on this. 
I think I, I, I see it as a home run. Especially, like, think about how competitive the National League is going to be this year. You literally have teams in the, in the East, the Central, and the West. Like, this gives Arizona, when, when, when Arizona, it looks like, has no shot at the division. All right. But I'm not dead in the water. I can still add. I can still try. Because you get me in that wild card game, that's the reason why I picked. that. You know, you get me in that wild card series, that's the reason why I, 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 I paid Massim Bumgarner all that money. To have a series like this, to have a guy lead me off in a series. I think it's great. Like I said, like for baseball, having the having you're having the top markets essentially make it. If you're looking off basing off of 2019 standings, you have both Mets, you have both uh, New York teams in there. You have Boston, Houston, L.A. You know who says this year that this gives it? I ch- love how you put out a, a, an A's cast tweet to undermine my tweet. No, I just went out anyway. I was I put, started typing before you even said you put it out. Either way, we, now we have two different places on Twitter for oh, people to look react. At you, look, at, look at you trying to undermine my tweet. Hey, you have more followers than our Ace Cast account does anyway by about almost 10 times as many followers. Wow. I mean, you're popular. But anyway, back to the point. I think it's great for teams, and you're right about the National League. There's going to be so many comp- – there's going to be one team in the National League that's not competitive this year. Do you know who it is? Well, it's two if you count the Marlins. I thought that was just a given. The Pirates aren't going to be very good this year. So we can count those two teams out. Well, I mean, the Rockies may not be very good this year. They're always they, that's the thing with them. They're such a there could be one year where you're like, oh, I don't have a lot of expectations to go out and win ninety games. Then this year, like, oh, they're not gonna be good. They'll probably you know, when the year they're like last year when they won seventy one, it's like they could challenge the Dodgers for the division. They won seventy one games. By the way, uh your your Padres uh that's uh, that's your brother's team. Until they win, I- I'm not I'm not believing it. You're not a fan of the Emilio Pagan trade? Fine. Emilio Pagan strengthens your bullpen. But, I mean, I, I I look at the Rockies. I look at the Padres. I look at the Pirates. I, but they've got to prove. They've got to prove. They and the, Mar- prove and they the Marlins. But everyone, the Marlins are And the Marlins are going to be bad. But they got to prove they can win games. Out of all those teams, the Marlins is like okay. The Padres made a few moves. The Marlins are actually actually brought in several guys this off season. The Pirates and Rockies haven't well brought in anyone, so they're not really they're showing well. We're not ready. The Pirates payroll is like forty three million dollars or something like that right now, and this is a sign for you know that they're going to try to cut back on the tanking because we saw how many teams in the American League that were tanking essentially last year. The White Sox are going to be much better this year. You have. The Royals, who probably are going to be a little bit better, marginally better, with Mike Matheny as their new manager. Uh, the Mariners probably aren't going to be much better. I mean, Jerry DePoto will probably trade away. The, the rest, the remaining, Mitch Hanniger is probably going to be gone by the All Star break or trade deadline. So this actually helps us having seven teams in because you get, like I said, you get half of the league vying for a chance to make the playoffs, and this also gives a chance for teams that are like, oh, you know, coming up to the trade, it could make the trade deadline more exciting too because there's so many guys, but also could hurt it because how many guys are going to be available at the deadline? Maybe move up the trading deadline. I mean, the NBA did that. The NBA moved their trading deadline before the All-Star break. The NBA trade deadline was last week, and then the All-Star break is this weekend. So maybe move it up to, like, the you know beginning of July. And that, help, that helps out with, you know, teams looking for to add talent, and, you know, you can take from the bottom feeding teams that might not make it. And you have teams in limbo like the Giants last year who are looking like, oh, we, we're going to try to make a run, one more run for Bochi. And then, you know, they end up finishing 77 and 85. But 
and not trading Bumgarner, which hurt them, but they were in limbo. They didn't know what they wanted to do. That This might actually help more teams because there's more player spots available. Do you want to get radical? You want to get crazy? If you want to get crazy, this gets back to my realignment. I've talked about realignment for a long time now. There is no reason why, even though it's going to be great now, there's no reason why the A's and the Angels and the Mariners are in a division with two teams in Texas. Makes no sense. The geography makes no sense. Just saying. I mean, if you got to get on a flight that takes you over three hours, you should not be in the same division. Shouldn't. I mean, the teams in the South, I mean, you should be, let's face it, Kansas City should be playing against the Texas teams. Right? The Rockies should be playing against the Texas teams. Like, why are the Rockies in the West? doesn't make sense. You can make it more geographical. I mean, that, I mean, just, like, how are the two L.A. teams not in the same division? How are the two teams in the Bay Area not in the same division? You don't think it would be more exciting on the A's schedule to have Giants and Dodgers than... Astros and Rangers? I mean, come on. Seriously, you know how far a flight is from Seattle to Texas? It's probably like six hours. And you're in the same division as a team, you got to fly six hours to play them? And that's a disadvantage for the teams in the West because they travel more than everybody else. I mean, I, I let's get crazy. Let's start changing this game. I have no problem with that. All right, earlier today I caught up with Steve Garvey, one of my favorites of all time. Here is, as I need to contemplate more of this, as we've been thrown this fastball out of nowhere. Here's the Garve. Our next guest here on A's Cast Live holds the National League record for most consecutive played games. He's a 10-time All-Star, a World Series champion, a National League MVP, four-time Gold Glover, and one of the great guys in our game. Steve Garvey joins us. Steve, thank you for coming on the program again. Absolutely. It's great to be with you. You know, when I think of great teams and some of the great teams you're on, you guys had a lot of stars, and it's Los Angeles, and you can look at the Lakers, you can look at the Dodgers. It's a town driven by stars. How big was it for Dodger Blue to get Mookie Betts? Oh, I think, you know, when you're owned by a hedge fund and, you know, you've had great success over the last you know, half a dozen years, except for, you know, winning it all, uh, and they, you know, consistently with Guggenheim's uh, ownership improved all areas of, of the franchise. And uh, the ability to spend a few dollars and cents and adding a quality player here and there. And everybody was concerned, well, you know, they, 
they, uh, they're trying to stay under the threshold again, and maybe they feel comfortable with the talent they have. And, but I think that I always thought that they were looking for that one piece that they thought that could put them over the top, and, and this is it. You know, and had a few hiccups the last week or so, but I always thought the deal was going to go through. And they've got a gold glove outfield and a uh, pretty solid team and depth in starting. And, you know, the bullpen's always going to be, nobody's ever going to be completely satisfied with their bullpen. But I think all in all, going into spring training, of course, beginning of 2020, they're in, uh, they're in good shape. They're well positioned for the long season, but it's a, a tale of two seasons, you know. Um, it's the first 162, and then it's October. So, um, you know, it should be very exciting throughout baseball this year. Not be riff of a few controversies here and there, but <laughs> maybe it puts us on the front page for a change. <laughs> hey, 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 Steve, these controversies, you know, not only the big money spent in free agency, but these controversies really gave us something to talk about this offseason. You know, it's a battle for, uh, for airtime nowadays. You know, there's so much media out there. You know, we've been squeezed by, you know, basketball and, and now the emergence of more airtime in hockey and the NFL. Everybody's trying to push the other guy off, like I said before, the, the pages of the sports and once in a while the front page. So, um, you know, you're, you're, you're never going to be free of the potential of having a controversy. And uh, in our case, you never want it to be the depth of cheating, but. Uh, on the other hand, there's always a reevaluation that comes with uh, uh, with something like this, you know. And all sports have their challenges. Now it's how do you address it, and how you move on and learn from it. And I think baseball will do that. You know, a lot of talk about the Houston Astros and the cheating. AJ Hinch talked on Friday. This big article that's just come out in the Wall Street Journal, uh, more in-depth that we learn about it. And, you know, Steve, this past weekend I was down at Pebble Beach at the AT&T, and Justin Verlander was playing there. The owner, Jim Crane, was playing. And I can tell you, you could hear people from the gallery yelling at Justin Verlander, you cheater. So if you're getting ragged at a golf tournament, what do you think it's going to be like at a ballpark? Oh, Lord. You know, I mean, you know, and I've done some interviews and I've, I've mentioned, you know, I don't want to deal with the minutia. Uh, I don't really know the inner workings, but I do know the thing that I'm most disappointed in is the, the lack of respect for our national pastime, the integrity of the game. And that the, you know, and now the Red Sox has mentioned to that, who knows where that'll go, but that the top teams think that they, that they can get away with something. You know, and uh, and that's the unfortunate part. Um, you know, you can always see the guy that's struggling, and he's he's trying to find a way to do it, and you know, cut the corner here or there. He tries to do this or that, but these are the top teams uh, with an awful lot of money that don't have to do that. It goes back to the steroid era. You know, you look at the guys that were the premier guys during this. Have to do it, uh, whether it was ego or whether. It was uh, fantasy or, you know, pick any one of the adjectives that, that serves the individual you're thinking about. There wasn't a need to do it. You know, and it's this wonderful national pastime. And nobody can say that. But, uh, doesn't need or shouldn't tolerate anybody who thinks they're above the game. And, and when you're above the game, you're, you know, you're, you're speaking, you're above the rest of America also. You know, Steve, getting back to the Dodgers and Mookie Betts, you know, it's so rare that you see a big market team, a big money team, 
trade away arguably the second best player in the game. I know the Dodgers are going to take on David Price. If he's healthy, he can still give you innings. They reworked the deal, but that's just a rarity to get a guy of Mookie Betts's caliber at that age, too, still really in right in the middle of his prime. Well, you know, I call it a lease to own. You got one year, and uh, I'm quite sure there'll be negotiations throughout the year, but there is a tendency by the premier handful of players uh, and the agents to, to take it on the open market, you know, a free market, God bless America, <laughs> supply and demand, uh, and be able to go out there and see who really wants to step up. Fell with Bryce Harper and Machado, and of course Mike Trout stayed with the Angels, but uh, I'm quite sure that the Dodgers will do everything they, they can to, to make this a honeymoon that uh, could potentially turn into a, to a long marriage. You know, recently on this show, we started talking about greatest infields of all time. And the Yankees came up from 09 when you look at the star power of Teixeira, Cano, Jeter, A-Rod. And then I, I I had to bring up your infield. I mean, when you think of Ron Say, you think of Russell, you think of Davey, you think of yourself. What an incredible infield you guys had. And one of the reasons why not only are you guys great athletes, but you stayed together for years. Absolutely. Yeah, you, know, you, you can pick you can pick infields that may have done it for a couple of years, but when you look at eight and a half years together and the number of you know championships and World Series we went to and all star games combined by the players and, and longevity and, and uh and durability and consistency. It's the greatest infield in history, and uh, and you can and again you can pick the Oriole infield back when it was uh, Belanger and Boo Powell and Robinson and a number of guys, but you know they they didn't play together for eight and a half years, and you know we were the foundation of uh, what I call the golden era in Dodger baseball in L.A. at least, and that was from '73 to '83. So uh, you know I mean when you start talking talking about great infields, you you can talk about short-term, but in terms of long-term longevity, consistency, durability, and success, I mean, our infield was, was the best of all time. Steve, we always appreciate your time. We know you got an event. Be well, and we'll talk to you soon here in 2020. Don't forget me now. Let's do it early in the season. I can't forget you, Steve. <laughs> Steve, Steve I, I still have the photo. Do you remember they put out the photo that you signed when you hit that big home run off Lee That's Smith? It was three different pictures. Right. I still have yes, that, yeah, by the way. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're the best. And it's a perfect example of how to take the high fastball the other way. Guys don't do that anymore. <laughs> You're the best, Steve. Be well. You're letting me be old here. You're letting me be an old guy. So thank you. <laughs> well, you're a great. Thank <laughs> you so care. much. Ah, oh, the legend Steve Garvey. He was a great player. He was really a great player. God, what 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 is wrong with baseball people? What is wrong? A bunch of people say I don't like it. You trying to tell me if uh, you're trying to tell me if. There was a a show on Sunday night after after the games, and teams are picking. And people wouldn't it, it wouldn't it wouldn't excite people. You're trying to tell me more people 
with an opportunity to be in the postseason would not help attendance, less tanking. Everybody is so afraid of change. Football changes all the time. Basketball has changed. Hell, basketball has basketball for their all-star game has two players have a draft. Are you kidding me? I love that idea. I told text him about the other day. I absolutely love that idea. You have Trout and Mookie Betts or Cody Bellinger picked from the American and National League teams, and you play the All-Star game. I, I love it. I know a lot of people don't like that idea. Or just pick position players. Don't pick the Yeah, pitch. the pitchers are okay, fine. You can keep the pitchers on each you know each team. But I, I, but I think adding pitchers adds intrigue too. But the position players, definitely. Who wouldn't want to see Mike Trout team up with Matt Chapman, um, Ronald Acuna Jr., the teams, the players that, you know, people that are AL, like people that grew up just watching the American League, they're going to see Acuna play all the time. Or the Polar Bear. Or um, I'm just trying to think of players off the top of my head that are – that are that are really good players in the National League. Paul Goldschmidt, you don't get to see all the time the what Mookie now with the Dodgers, Cody Bellinger, although Bellinger will be a captain, but it gives more fans more access to players they won't get to see as much. Playing with guys that they grow up they know they love. Yeah, the whole National League American League thing. You know, now players movement and the player movement, it, it's just it, it's it's not what it used to be. God, but everybody with this I don't want change. Why? What 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 is wrong with change? It's more of a system that like we see with football. There's a team that has the best record, they're getting a bye. That's a huge advantage. Why I'm saying why play 162 games then? Well, why do you play 16 games in the NFL? Why is it, I mean, the NFL is trying to, trying to have more games. Plus, it makes everybody involved more money. The television people who want to pay. If you're someone like ESPN, if you're, because Fox, Fox is already until 2028. But if you're someone like ESPN, or as this mentions in the article, Amazon, YouTube, whatever, how they want to get in the game. This just creates more content, more dollars, more money for people. The game continues to grow. I don't know how you don't like it. I really don't. I think it's a great idea. And bringing the reality TV element. By the way, reality TV wins. I think about reality TV and my kids. Anybody who's complaining on my Twitter timeline, I'd really like to know how old you are. Our old buddy Daryl the Guru Johnson, he's old. These kids don't watch television. People, get your head out of the sand. They don't watch television. They don't listen to radio. They don't read newspapers. My kids do not watch cable, ever. Everything for my children at 14 years old is either through their phone 
or their computer. I'll never forget one of my early babysitters that I had. So we're going out. Wife and I, I don't remember what it was for. But I I explained to the babysitter how to work my television, to watch television. And she looked up at me and went, oh, I, I, I won't watch TV. I was like, really? Yeah. Don't watch television. Has anybody noticed that our own NBC, Bay Area, and California now just promote the streaming? They don't even promote themselves anymore. They're pushing you to the stream. This past baseball season, all I saw was stream, stream. It was Brody Brazil and Bob Melvin constantly coming up, and they held the signs for the streaming. Because cable knows that's where this next generation's going. This get-off-my-lawn mentality, and baseball doesn't need to change. If you don't change, this young demographic will soon be the demographic with money. Millennials are getting money for the first time. What do we say my, my kid's generation is? They might fall under Gen Z because I'm a millennial at 31. I think they'd be Gen... Because we found out check. that the Italian stallion, Joey Libatori, who works for the Athletics, who you hear doing a lot of the commercials, he's Gen Z. And he's, what, 21 years old? He's now 22? Yeah, I'm telling you right now. You don't... It's adapt or die. Do we have to go back to Moneyball again? Adapt or die. You don't want to change anything? Well, congratulations. Attendance is down for the 12th straight year. You don't want to change anything? You think the cable ratings are up? Mark Langston, friend of the program, greatest San Jose State Spartan baseball player ever, and uh, recovering well, I hear, from, from the heart attack. So is Sparksy. He was on MLB Network Radio last weekend talking about it with C.J. Nikowski. So That's both those guys, about it. Both those guys are doing you. great. I was like, oh, my God. So check this out. YouTube is free. And when the Angels played on YouTube, because they have Shohei Otani, they got millions of viewers around the world. Millions. What other broadcast in the United States that's not football that's going to get at one point, what did he say at one point? It was like six million people were watching around the world. Six million on YouTube. You're not getting 6 million on NBC Bay Area or NBC California. There's roughly 6 million people in the Bay Area. The 49ers were in the Super Bowl and the Bay Area didn't even make the top 10 for viewing. Like the Bay San Francisco did not make the top oh, 10. Oh, and I tweeted that out. I retweeted that. People did not like that. 
But, yeah, I mean, think about that. Things have to change. And if you're telling me the Angels can be on a YouTube broadcast and have 6 million people watching, that's absolutely crazy. Change, we got, we got to stop worrying about change. Lou Maloney, former big leaguer, now works for WEEI, the flagship station for the Boston Red Sox, joins us once again on A's Cast Live. Lou, how are you? I'm doing good, boys. How are you? Uh, We're doing well, and a report has just come out, and I want to get your opinion on it, that baseball might, might be thinking about in 2020 after the CBA is up and renegotiated about expanding the playoffs and having it like a draft, a reality show draft, where the where the top teams can pick who they want to play in the playoffs. It would be uh, the top team would get a bye. The next three teams would host a three-game wild card. It would just kind of change the way we do the postseason. I don't know if you've seen this article, but, uh, you know, everybody's so afraid of change in baseball, but maybe change is something and really kind of a little bit of a kick in the ass baseball needs to help get a younger generation following the game again. Yeah, I think, I think MLB does need some changes. There's no question about it. I I would just MLB sometimes sort of dives into things without really looking at the big picture and then ends up changing rules midsummer because it didn't work. So uh, I, I would just look at it and say, you know, I mean, why seven, maybe six, you know, two teams with a buy and then have that one team choose who they want to play the rest of the way out of that. Uh, I question sort of like a motivation. Like if you're, if you're not going to be that number one seed, does it really matter what your record is the best of the, the rest of the way? Um, what benefit is it? So now you're talking about seven teams making the playoffs and maybe one team's got the buy and the other teams are just sort of saying, ah, we'll just play out September and rest and get guys going and, so I just I hope that they'd look at and the other thing obviously too is best two out of three right so yeah you go Monday Tuesday Wednesday you know when's when the team with the bye when do they get to play is there a playing game to get the seventh seed is there a rain out does the team with the bye have to sit an entire week before they have to play baseball so I think it's more complicated I like the idea of change I think they need things like pitching pitch clocks and everything else I just hope they think this one through. We're hearing from the commissioner as of last week that the discipline for the Red Sox will be coming down this week. Have you guys heard anything, and what are your expectations for these sanctions against the Red Sox? I have not heard as far as timing goes. Um, As far as the organization, they seem pretty confident that, you know, that they they didn't do some of the things that they're accused of. Now, we'll see how that thing plays out. We'll see if the commissioner finds anything you know there isn't a Mike Fires out there there isn't videos of banging drums this is about you know finding sources and and telling them more than hey they knew all the signs from every every other team all the catchers and it's like okay well how did they find this how did they get those signs how you know did they do it during the game because that's very important did they have them beforehand through scouting reports or was this some during the game so I think it's I think it's difficult to kind of prove something. If they have something, God bless them. You know, they'll come out with it and they'll pay the price. But I think this is um, sort of a wait and see because they, they, they feel like they didn't do anything. We'll see whether you believe that or not. You made the great point last time on the show when we were talking about, 
you know, hiring a new manager and they don't have a new manager and Ron Rinnicky's right there. And, and you said, well, yep. if there's an issue, you'd have to fire him too. And you don't want to fire two managers in one off season. Rumors are now right. Rinnicky's going to be the guy. So I, I'm kind of going, I'm kind of thinking, you know, they believe Rinnicky's going to be cleared and they can probably hire him and then they'll have their guy going into spring training. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think they're going to kind of approach it that way, maybe without the official title. And, you know, as long as it's in-house, um, you know, Renicky will run camp like he would if he's the bench coach, maybe with more of a role manager. But really, if it's somebody from outside the organization, man, it is really a short turnaround to get to know your players, get to know the organization, uh, all, all the minor league system, some of the players. So in-house makes a lot of sense. And if they're able to do that, still got to wait for this, you know, obviously the suspensions or whatever might come down. Whoever knows what the what the commissioner is doing, but I just think they want to just play it safe before they officially announce Ron Renicky. But I think I expect him to be the manager. You know, there was a three-way trade that was agreed upon between the Dodgers, <laughs> the Red Sox, and the Twins, and there was a lot of heat. And obviously, people in Beantown and New England were not happy about this. So then all of a sudden, Gratterall is a guy that, oh, we're looking at his medicals. We don't like him. And now the Dodgers went, what do you mean? We'll trade for him. Did the deal have to blow up and get redone because of the backlash? And there had to be belief that the Red Sox needed to get more if they were going to trade Mookie Betts. You know, honestly, just being here, I, I have a hard time sort of believing that. Now, listen, this organization is PR conscious. However... I have a hard time believing that they felt like this was going to go over well. You know, it didn't matter what they got in return. They're trading away Mookie Betts, a great player. Um, fans feel like, hey, listen, if he wants $400 million, pay the man $400 million. Other people sit there and say, you know, 12-year deals aren't worth it. So that's sort of a mixed bag. But I just have a hard time believing that they would really kind of squash a deal with PR. They knew that this was not going to be popular. They knew this was going to go wrong. You know, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, whenever it was, and they traded for Drew Pomeranz out in San Diego. A.J. Preller was suspended by Major League Baseball for not properly giving up the medicals. And the Red Sox found out that he needed, you know, um, some kind of surgery on his elbow. And that information was not passed along to, to Boston. They gave up their number one pitching prospect. And they took heat for not re, you know, looking into this deal and saying, okay, Shouldn't they get more? I mean, they, they, they traded for a broken pitcher, and they took heat for that locally. And now it sort of seems like they're getting heat for being cautious. I know they got burned years ago, but I don't know what that medical is. I honestly don't know by looking at a medical if you could tell he's a reliever or a starter. Um, but I just don't think people around here were going to be fine with this deal no matter what they got in return because they love watching Mookie Betts play. Yeah, isn't it you that kind of broke it broke it down for everybody that – you know, he countered with like a twelve-year, hundred and what, four hundred and twenty million dollar deal. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've they've tried to sign him, and it, those reports have been reported earlier. There was a hundred million dollar deal, two hundred million dollar deal, but there was an effort to try to get him for ten years around the three hundred million dollar range. And and you know, listen, both sides. You know, the Red Sox don't want to go too far. Mookie Betts bet on himself, and he is going to win. I don't blame him one bit. I don't think that he doesn't like playing in Boston. I think that he does. But he's always approached it as a business in his negotiating contracts. And I think he felt the same way. Like, he knows what his value is. 
And if the Red Sox weren't willing to pay that, then he would go to free agency, and most likely he'll get close to it. It's just the Red Sox weren't willing to go that far, and because of that, remember they had guys like J.D. Martinez who could opt in at $25 million. They had Xander Bogarts and Chris Sale who were going to be a free agent. Ovaldi that was a free agent. And I don't think it's a coincidence that shortly after the you know, talks broke with Mookie Betts that they re-upped Xander Bogarts to make sure they weren't going to lose him. And they re-upped Chris Sale because they didn't want to lose him in the hopes of waiting this thing out only to find out Mookie went to the highest bidder. So they sort of moved on, I believe. Is there a possibility that Mookie Betts gets into free agency and he's not getting the number he thought he was going to get? Let's say nothing in 400-plus million. Let's say it's 330 or whatever. Is there a possibility the Red Sox could be back in play for him? Well, I think if you go on the on the belief that it's a business and negotiating and he wants to earn top dollar, and if that's the top dollar and the Red Sox feel like, okay, now he's back into the low threes, um, I guess theoretically, yeah, sure, they would be more, they would be involved in it. It's just, it does seem hard to think that, you know, it's tough to believe that you, you trade a player like that away and then you turn around and re-sign him in the offseason. I know the Yankees did it with Chapman, um, but I guess it's still a possibility. And I think about just the bad vibes. I, I can tell you this past weekend I, I was down at the AT&T and Justin Verlander was playing. Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, were playing. And I saw, uh, you know, I followed Verlander for two holes and people were yelling cheater. He was getting heckled a little bit. Just there's going to be a lot of bad vibes. Just tell us as a former player and looking at the Red Sox this year, how tough is it going to be for them? Baseball's hard enough without having a dark cloud over you. Yeah, and I think as far as the Red Sox go, it's, it's you know, we'll see what the commissioner comes up with, and if they found them guilty of it, uh, I do think it's going to be you know a difficult year for those players. Um, you know, Houston Astros as well. I mean, it's given all the stuff that's kind of come out here with the banging of the barrels. I think there will be a lot of teams, a lot of opposing pitchers who have a serious issue with walking into a, you know, a stadium and the guy's knowing exactly what's coming. And if the Red Sox approve to do the same thing, I would expect the exact same feeling coming into Fenway Park, you know, and, and whether they sort of try to handle it on the field um, or not is, is one of those let's wait and see what happens. But it's tough. It's tough when you, when you win a World Series and all that comes into question whether it's legit or not. And the players will probably sit there and say it was legit, we're good players, but the bottom line is is that even as you saw from A.J. Hinch the other night, that's up for debate. Let's end on this, Lou. You think about the reporting now where they talked about busting it out in 2016 and then kind of perfecting it in 2017, and then in 2018 they were using it, but they started realizing that people were catching on. I mean, can you imagine as a player doing something like this with the reality, going, not thinking you were going to get caught, with the way people change teams? It's just kind of crazy that you think you can just keep doing it and doing it and that people are not going to find out and you're, and you're not going to get popped. Yeah, and I even felt like uh, AJ the other night when he was presented with a question about the buzzers. And, you know, I, listen, I like AJ. I've known him for a while. But you know, rather than to say I, I believe the commissioner's report, I mean, I thought it was an easy opportunity to say no. No, we didn't use the buzzers. And the commissioner looked into it, and he found no evidence of it either. 
and that was never said. So, you know, it's um, it's difficult. It's tough for those guys to kind of rebound. And meanwhile, the players themselves, as we all know, the ongoing debate, you know, the GM is gone, the manager is gone. Meanwhile, the players are the ones that are still sitting there, the ones, you know, who did benefit watching all these people around them, you know, being fired, losing their jobs, having a tough time maybe getting back into baseball while the players go about their lives and still make the money they're making. So the whole thing is is not good for the game. It's not good for the organization, and, and we'll see what comes up at the Red Sox. It might not be good for them. Lou, always appreciate the time. Be well. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Hey, anytime. No problem. Have a good night. Thanks, Lou. Lou Merloni. Yeah, that is kind of the thing that stinks, right? Guys could be out of the game for a long, long time. And now I, I compared it to bank robbery. They all robbed the bank. Only four guys went down for it and got arrested. The rest of the guys, they got off free and got to keep the money. Here's A.J. Hinch with Tom Verducci, MLB Network, last Friday, talking about the buzzers. Now the hindsight of looking at the Astros, people are looking at the Astros in a very different lens based on the commissioner's investigation, which includes now, in their eyes, the 2019 season. We've heard reports about Astros players wearing buzzers underneath their uniforms. That's how they're getting the signal, what pitch is coming. I know the commissioner's office looked into this and they determined there was nothing to it. Can you assure us there were no buzzers or anything like that being Well, used? the commissioner, we got investigated for three months, and the commissioner's office did as thorough an investigation as anyone could imagine was possible. I mean, I know he mentioned the, the emails and the texts and the messages, um, and I believe them. What? What? I mean, it's kind of a yes or no. He believes the commissioner. In the in the matter, did you or did you not use buzzers? It's pretty uh, simple. That was one of the more telling things from the interview. It was a twenty-five minute interview, and it's very well done by Tom Verducci. And you know, Hinch got in front of it just like he did with the whole thing with Brandon Taubman down there, where he got in front and said nobody should be afraid to come to our clubhouse. And you know, we everyone commended him for that. And he got in front of this. You know, Jeff Luna wouldn't even comment on the the article from the Wall Street Journal. So I don't think we're going to hear from him anytime soon. There were other, you know, Hinch had some other stuff in there too that was interesting. He talked about, you know, his relationship with Mike Fires. You know, uh, why weren't why didn't the players stop after he saw him bang? They saw him destroy the evidence, and then also the I think the most telling one was him, uh, Tom, asking him about the 2017 World Series title if it should be tainted with an asterisk, or just actually just be tainted. It is whether there's a historic asterisk or not. I mean. People are going to view it as they view it. And, you know, it's the same thing. I mean, you've seen it with the New England Patriots. Time heals, though. Which one are we doing here? Hinch on the 2017 title. Based on what we know now, what we know from the commissioner's investigation, is that championship tainted? It's a fair question. And and I think everyone's going to have to draw their own conclusion. Um... I hope over time and, and, and the demonstration with the talents of, the, of this team, the players, the, the careers that are, that are being had, we have some of the best players in the entire sport all together on the same team. 
I hope over time um, it's proven that it wasn't, but I understand the question. It's a fair question and people are gonna have to draw their own conclusions. Unfortunately, we opened that door um, as a group and, and that question I may never be answered, we may never know. Um, and we're gonna have to, to live and move forward and be, be, be better, um, better in the sport. But um, unfortunately, no one can really answer that question. I, I can't pinpoint what advantages or what, what, what happened or what um, exactly would have happened otherwise. Um, but we did it to ourselves. So is this thing... Is it just too easy? I know it's not easy to do an interview like that. I know it's not. But is it just too easy to stand up and say, the buck's on me, it's my fault? Is it just too easy? Because we know what you're doing is basically for yourself. You're trying to get in front of it, as the commander said, and you're trying to say... um, it, it my fault, everybody. Look, 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 look at me. Because you want another job. You're not going out to truly explain everything. You're not going out to tell why it happened, why. He knows everything. He knows who set it up. He knows how they did it. He knows why they did it. He knows why they stopped doing it. He knows everything. But, you know, the buck stops. I just want to tell everybody, it's my, my fault. My fault, buck stops. Look at me. Just look at me. Because he's trying to uh, – accountability. I, I really I, – I, I can really be a leader. Well, no one's giving the re- – no, one, no one's giving full transparency. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. He's just selfishly coming out, just blame me, and I don't want to talk. I mean, why can't you talk about the buzzers? If you guys didn't use the buzzers, why didn't you just come out and say no? If you want to be a leader, you got to have full transparency. If you want to be a leader, I mean, what he did wasn't easy, but to me, I'm not the type of person that's going to now sit here and go, ah, he's off. You know what? He owned it. He kind of owned it. It's a, I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to just put it all on me when, when we all know it's not all on you. The commissioner's report said it's player-driven. Just put it all on me. We've seen coaches do that. When teams lose, put it all on me. No, well, you're not playing, coach. Sorry. Football coaches love to do that, by the way. Football coaches love that, right? Put it on me. It's my fault. I'm a man. I'm 40. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Mike Gundy. He's just a kid. You're going after a kid. No, he's not a kid. He's actually an adult. Now Gundy's 50, which makes it even that, that whole rant even better. But it's just when someone, when you're in an organization, the buck stops with only one person. That's ownership. And the owner, he's not getting suspended. So the, the buck doesn't stop with the manager. Managers, managers hired and fired all the time. The buck stops with the owner. That's a simple interview where your agent, I don't know if he has an agent, 
hey, you need to get on television and you do, you need to do the mea culpa. You need to get in there. You need to get on TV and say, I'm sorry. It's my fault. Is it really your fault? Does someone talk you into it? How do we really know for sure he destroyed stuff? And if he really didn't want them to do it, man, that is a... If he didn't want them to do it and they kept doing it, you want to talk about a lack of respect. But you got to remember, this thing started in 16, was in 17, and 18. There was a lot of people. There were so many people involved in this. To just have one guy say, just blame me. He had to do that. He's trying, he's trying to get a manager's job, or he's trying to still stay in baseball. When I think of integrity, when I think about doing it the right way, there's not a better scout. There's not a better dressed guy on television. And the points he makes are second to none on NBC California on A's pre- and post-game live. I, I've heard from my sources, Ken Korak, he needs to work on his golf game, but Shooty Babbitt is the best in the business. Shooty, how have you been, my friend? Chris Townsend, happy 2020, man. I'm doing fantastic. Uh, it's starting to warm up a little bit. Um, the flowers are starting to bloom, and you know what time of the year that is, man. So you know spring training is right around the corner, and uh, each day I'm getting more and more excited about the season starting. No doubt. Once the Super Bowl's over and we have the AT&T down at Pebble Beach and it's over, you know it's baseball season, pitchers and catchers. Talk about what your life's like as a big league scout during spring training. Wow. You know, it, the, I, the great part of it is I take a couple of two or three day trips uh, during December and January, and that's the first time I start packing and traveling again. And so that's like spring training for me, getting ready, getting all my gear ready. No, I'm going to be re- in the trenches for a whole month down in Arizona. I'll be in backfields. I'll be in big league games. I'll be all over the place in Arizona just trying to unturn a find a, a gym underneath a rock somewhere, find some uh, extra on a roster or find a diamond in the rough. Just keep my ears and my eyes open because every year brings something special, something unknown. Some player takes his game to another level, falls off the map for another organization. You can't rest on what happened in 2018 or 19. Um, it's a brand new season. Uh, the Everything is washed clean. Everybody gets a new start. And every team thinks that they have an opportunity to be much better than they were the year before. And I have to take the same approach as a scout. Even though I may have a good year as a scout, our club won 97 games last year and came up one game short of going further in the postseason. Our goal is to go further. And my goal is to be a better scout this year and try to make our team even better than it was last year. Isn't it amazing how different teams can look at one player and see different things. Like, a guy can be in an organization, and that organization really doesn't like him that much, to where another organization goes, I love the guy. we got to go get this guy. It's amazing this scouting game and how people evaluate these human beings. It's incredible. I mean, we want to just make a one-year difference. 
we knew the value. Uh, we knew what Mark Canna uh, brings to the table as a right-hand hitter and how he's always just crushed left-handed pitching. But he had not established himself as an everyday player. But his value was his versatility for us and the things that he would be able to do. Now, had we not believed in him in the way that we have, and we know that we have 29 other teams that are paying attention to what he's been doing, had we been reluctant to protect him or keep him and um, listen to what other people are saying about him, perhaps not like him like we should, and look at the year that he had last year, just one more year. Look at the player that Mark Canna turned into. And it wasn't bad, it's just a little feather in his hat. I think he did win backflip of the year, so that lets you know he's doing a whole lot of pimping at home plate for sure. You mentioned the word versatility. And now with that extra roster spot, if you can play multiple positions, it's just that that guy in baseball has become so more valuable because we're still going to have these big bullpens. And, and if you give me flexibility for a skipper like Bob Melvin, you can play the infield, you can play the outfield, you can play all over. Man, do we need more guys like that. You know, I used to think that one thing that a lot of clubs took for granted is the importance and the value of having a couple of switch hitters on your team because what that does is it creates issues for the manager later in the game and it forces him to make some decisions based on matchups and what he has in the bullpen coming in and what's sitting on the bench. But now with the new rules of the pitchers, once they start, they have to complete an inning and all this different types of stuff. It's changed the dynamic and you're definitely going to have to have more guys down in that bullpen to compensate for not being able to have a specialist because you can't afford to keep specialists down there. So now you've got a a position player who's not just a switch hitter, but a guy that can play all over, a guy like uh, even Mark Canna, but Chad Pender is probably, you know, Tony Phillips knockoff type. He's just the kind of guy that you can put in anywhere and he can help you, and he probably could play every day for a lot of teams in a certain position. So, yeah, the value has definitely increased, and I don't think you can have enough of those guys on your team. Now, don't get me wrong. You need carriers. If you're going to win, if you're going to make it to that next level as far as playoffs are concerned, you're going to need those big boppers. You're going to need those stars. But when you have a significant uh, roster of guys that make a, a solid contribution and you know what you're going to get from those guys, that's when their value really increases. So the guy everybody's worried about now is a left-handed specialist, the guy that comes in and gets that big left-handed bat out and uh, – and they're they're a one batter guy, and people think that 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 player's in trouble. What advice would you give to those left-handed specialists to try and keep them on rosters? Well, they better find a way to get right-handed hitters out because if they don't, and typically uh, the common denominator there is the changeup. I mean, because that's a pitch that you can get right-handers off balance with. You can have some success when they see those coming comers coming up there and soft tosses. All those right-handers do is just get closer to the dish and dare those guys to come inside with it. So if they can't move it both ways, if they can't change it up, they're going to have trouble, big-time trouble. And I think for the athletics, you know, when you have a quiet off season, it's really, really nice. We've talked to David Forrest about this on the David Forrest Show, about not having to remake a whole starting staff not having to, like, go out and find a bunch of guys just to fill the roster, that your core is here. You know, when, when you go into spring training and your number one question is just second base, that is good to know. But you got a lot of different guys with the possibilities of playing second base. How, how, do, you, how do you handicap that fight? 
Well, I think because you have so many guys out there fighting, you got five viable guys who could possibly come up with that job, uh, and rightfully so, because they've all shown a sample size somewhere along the line that they deserve an opportunity. Guys that have been on the roster and a couple of guys that they've added. So, I mean, competition is great. I think people who have been A's fans for at least the past 10 years have got an opportunity to see what's been going on here for the past at least four. Because if you look at the group of kids that have come up over the past four years, they've been pretty much a part of a group of kids who played together in the minor leagues, who've won together, who've lost together, who've learned together, have been mentored together, have spent a lot of time together. And you talk about culture. That's how you build culture, by keeping guys together, playing together, pulling together, this is the big leagues, and a lot of these guys are thinking about their welfare, how they're going to take care of their families and their families and their uh, families on top of families. So a lot of times there could be a little individuality as far as attitude is concerned, but you notice when you interview these kids, they are so well-rounded and they've been prepared, and they truly, they truly pull for the other guys on their team, and you just don't find that much at the big league level like you do with this group, and they're going to be special for a while. So when you start talking about only have to make it one or two moves. That's a great thing because all you're doing is tweaking a little bit. I started with the Atlanta Braves, Tony, back in 1993 when I started scouting. And that was one remarkable thing about that organization is that they just kept the meter moving. When one guy left, there was one guy to step in, and that was all due to great scouting. And they kept depth in the organization. Right now, that's what the A's are trying to continue to create. And right now, you're seeing that sample at the big league level. What is it like evaluating a guy in spring training and you know he's out of options and you like him? It's a beautiful thing. I mean, either he's going to make your club or he's going to bring you some of value. And that's the position that you want that kid to be in because now his back is in a, in a corner. Uh, he's got to fight his way out. And you get a chance to see what he's made of. Everybody that's not blessed with the opportunity, you know, after three options, you make the big league club and everything is happy ever after. Some guys have to fight for everything that they get. If you've been around long enough to run out of options, that means that you've been doing enough to keep the club's eyes on you and wonder when you're going to mature into that player that they thought that you were, that you could be when they acquired you. So it's a good problem to have. Uh, if you're worried about it, but a lot of times the guy's out of options and you don't expect him to make your club anyway, he makes it a lot easier on you. You know, the baseball obviously was the talk of 2019. When you're evaluating people and you're seeing that ball flying out of the ballpark and it's going further and further and further and, you know, pitchers talked about it, it's like throwing a, it's like throwing a cue ball. What's it like evaluating talent when you know you got to juice baseball? Well, after a while, when you see certain guys hitting the ball where normally slobbermouth guys hit the ball, you know something is wrong. If it's in the ozone, uh, if it's in the atmosphere, uh, most of the time it's in the balls. There were a time when the bats were juiced up a little bit. But then you just take it and you look at it and you, you look at the body work of the whole league. I think – you don't want to grade on a curb, if you will, but if you've got guys' numbers that are elevated that have not been doing that in the past and it's just not customary to see a little dude going opposite field, six or seven rows up a tank, man, that just don't happen. You know something is different. You see the home run numbers are up. 
you see the uh, strikeout and walk numbers have changed. So it's something different with the baseball. But I hope Major League Baseball makes some changes because you want the game to be fair. You don't want the guys that came before these guys and their numbers to be wrecked when they did it with a ball that was much different. And the game has definitely changed, and I know that, and we have to live with that. But we do want to keep the game uh, realistic for sure. Yeah, two uh, more than 2,000 home runs at AAA last year to set the record. And you got some good pitchers. It's tough to evaluate. Guy's got a 7 ERA. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> but it's tough to evaluate pitchers. And they could be really good pitchers, but they got like 7 ERAs down in AAA. Well, that depends on who's looking, Tony. You know, because now you said there's one thing when you have throwers and there's another thing when you have pitchers. And everything, the numbers don't always show everything, especially when you're talking about in the Coast League because the numbers are elevated. But when I'm looking at guys that can pitch, there's just not a guy up there that's trying to light up the radar gun and before a catch ball even gets in the catcher's glove, he's looking at the radar gun to see how hard he's throwing. I'm looking at guys that keep guys off balance, guys that can read barrels, They're guys that have great sequences, uh, could read swings, uh, can change speeds, can add a little bit, can take a little bit off, like they're in command and in control. When you're in the Coast League and you see guys hit good pitches out of the ballpark, you understand the element and what's going on there. But that, I think what you say there, to me, that's the thing that's missing the most in the game that I miss when you start talking about pitchers and throwers. Sure, everybody's throwing 96 to 97 to 98 miles per hour, but how many times have you left the ballpark and said, man, what a great pitching performance we got out of our starting pitcher tonight? And that's what I miss in the game. Yeah, what, what happened? I mean, 94, 95 was blowing smoke. There was just very few guys that could get upper 90s, and now everybody's throwing upper 90s. What happened in the game that allowed all these guys to be able to do this? Well, power became premium, and everybody's looking for power arms. And it's just amazing how many power arms we have, but we also have had nine zillion Tommy John surgeries. Something is wrong here. You know, and I'll, I'll always go back to my early scouting days where I uh, learned how to scout. And I think about the staff that we had over there with Glavin, Smoltz, and Maddox, uh, Tom Avery. Uh, these guys, Greg Maddox could throw 93-94 if he wanted to. But all he did was win 15 games, 15 years in a row to back it up with 15 gold gloves because he had that application. You know what I mean? He knew when he let go of it, he knew where it was going to go. And he knew if they made contact, he knew where they were going to hit it. So he wasn't out there huffing and puffing and blowing his arm out. I don't think I've seen a dude with ice on his arm. But all he did was every fifth day go out there and give you six, seven, eight innings. And before you know it, he had 30-something starts. Now if you see a guy get 30-something starts in the big leagues, you're going to see what, ask what's wrong with that dude, find out what's wrong with his arm because they just don't do that anymore. But power is premium, and for some reason, guys just are not – you just don't find a lot of guys who can pitch, man. How many new suits are we going to see this year on NBC Sports California? Well, Tony, if my bingo numbers come in, you may see a few. If not, <laughs> you'll see something tailored up. Cause, but it's going to be something fresh. You know that. <laughs> hey, because if, if you don't look good, you can't play good. 
Oh, man, look at here, man. I'm looking so forward to the season, man. Um, with the Oakland A's organization I've done this year during the off season, and all the things that they're trying to do to make this brand as good as any in the game, and us former players that are getting an opportunity to continue to be a part of it. You know, uh, Matt Langston and his crew this year took over the A's fantasy camp for the first time, and he had a group of kids that had never done this ever. And I've been a part of the A's fantasy camp under the, under the name of Dave Henderson for the past nine years. And uh, rest his soul, he did such a tremendous job of keeping that thing going, man. We love Dave Henderson. We're thinking about you every day, bro. But those kids and his crew came in and did such a tremendous job, and especially with some of the guys like Jason Giambi, who had not spent time in the fantasy camp before. Vita Blue was there this year with Dave Stewart and Burt Campanares, uh, Dallas Braden. Man, we had such a tremendous time. And I think it's just so much of a, a, a reflection of, of the new life um, that they're doing with this club, man. So, Ace fan, uh, go out, get your gear, get ready, man. It's going to be a great year, and we're going to bust some heads in them Houston Astros because you know they got a headache right now anyway. So, we just go keep it beating for sure. You know, some people just fit, right? It's just the right fit. I think about you. I think about the Oakland Athletics. It's just the right fit at this point in your career. Well, I appreciate that, Tony. I, you know, I truly feel, and I've told you this over many times, and I, I am so blessed to be in the position I am. To grow up in the Bay Area, idolizing Oakland A's players, uh, pulling for the team, watching them win World Series, and to be drafted by the club and make it to the big leagues and just do all the things that that organization allowed me to do. Man, if you cut me, it's going to be blood on the outside, but if you stick me deep enough, man, green and gold just going to gush out, man, and, I, and I'm just – Truly, truly, truly blessed and uh, thankful for everything that they do for me with that organization, man. You are the best. We'll see you down in Arizona. Man, I'm looking forward to it, bro. <laughs> All right, Tony. Have a great one, man. Thanks for having me. Take care, Shooty. The great Shooty Babbitt. Best dressed man in baseball. No question about it. Are we ready, Commander, for a little buying or selling it's time for buying or selling right now with chris townsend on ace cast live i was coming up with one as shooty was doing the interview it's at the very end so hopefully we can get to it because i have some good ones in here one of them you'll like about complete games which we'll get to here shortly but i'm going to start out with uh, aj hints since we talked about it earlier on Friday, he spoke with Tom Verducci, the MLB Network, for a 25-minute sit-down to talk about the Astros cheating scandal. Well, he was not in favor of it, as he's mentioned, where he destroyed the monitors. And then when Tom asked him, why did you not stand up and say something? Because the players would have listened if he said something. You know, he said that that hurts. You know, like, pretty much like he should have said more. Hinge was the first guy involved involved in say, the story to say sorry and say it publicly. Hinge got in front of this as like he did with the Tobin situation, which we mentioned earlier. Hinch is suspended until 2021, so buying or selling, A.J. Hinch will be a manager in Major League Baseball in 2021. Selling. I think it's going to be a while. I think you got to get back into the game, kind of rehab your image, become a coach, then a bench coach. I don't know. I don't know if you make him like one of your first base coaches, but you, you, you get into the game – rehab your image then maybe you'll have a chance 
I don't think he immediately comes in. You know how it is in these sports leagues when you've been one of the guys that has been perceived as one of the pariahs because that's where he is right now. And to think that, oh, he's just one year away and we're, oh, we're going to name a manager. I think, I think there's going to have to be some time before. And remember, it's a good old boys club, these owners. Yeah, I, I, I think he's going to have to rehab his image for a while. Maybe do a little TV work. The first thing I th- well, I think I, that was the first thing I thought of was maybe he do he does TV because we saw Joe Girardi different circumstances completely, but Girardi was out of a job. He went to MLB Network to sell with Fox, and he's back into baseball again. The first thing I thought of was how funny it would be if Hinch Leco reinstating twenty twenty one. The Red Sox say bye bye to Ron Ranicky, whoever the hiring go. We're gonna hire AJ Hinch to be our manager. See, that's something that's not gonna happen because of the inner workings of baseball, right? Hey, by the way, uh, Red Sox beat writers are camping out of their offices. The offices where Heim Bloom and everyone is hanging out in, in uh, Florida waiting for the official announcement of the Mookie Betts trade. Julie McWilliams, our friend, and other people are tweeting out how they're staking out the office waiting for an official announcement from Heim in the Boston Red Sox front office. So Hunter Pence uh, is back in San Francisco as the Giants who are rebuilding, or are they? Well, on Friday, they signed Pence over Yasiel Puig, who was the same age as Alex Dickerson and Mike Yastrzemski, who had a career year and led the team in home runs with 21 last year. But they also brought back Pablo Sandoval. Pence was an all-star last year with the Rangers and had 18 home runs, even though everyone hit home runs last year, before getting hurt and missing the rest of the season. The Giants are looking to get younger, but this move doesn't make a lot of sense to me and a lot of people. Buying or selling, Hunter Pence will be on the Giants roster by the trade deadline. That he will be? Yeah, that he will be on the roster. Well, the problem is he may be on the DL, so he would still be on the <laughs> roster. You're, as he didn't play full season last year. You, you need to phrase the question, if healthy. If healthy, will Hunter Pence be on the Giants roster after the trade deadline? Meaning, will they trade him or keep him? Uh, they're going to trade him, so I'm selling. I was I was going to say, I wonder who he, he is. If he does plays well, there's no way you keep him for the full season And if a team like. And if uh, he plays bad, you just let him go. Yeah. What, what, what do you get, three mil? Uh, that sounds about right. You got a major league it deal, really, I know that. It really makes no sense. Uh, From no. a standpoint of your future. If you're telling me your future is now, we're, win- we're here to win now. You're not here to win now. So why not find out who can play and who cannot? You know he's not a part of your future. They have a hard time. It's the I don't believe it's Farhan. Just knowing the inner workings of the Giants, they just that they can't they can't rebuild. They just they they're not they're not, they've gotten too used to the big checks. They've got remember they've got a lot of owners. They don't got like one guy. They've got a ton of people, and they they like getting those checks because for years, if you remember, those owners constantly had to put more money back in. That's one of the reasons why some of the guys got out when you could get out. So their ownership group was is made up of I don't even know. At one point, it was like twenty four different entities. I don't know what it is now. But they don't like not making money, and they don't like the idea of a, 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 a of a team not trying to try. I just ah, good luck. I mean, you're an old baseball team. They are old. 
and they just got older with under Pence. I do like that Kerry Crowley told us we could see Joey Bart playing for them. Just from a standpoint of seeing a young player come up, I don't care how they're doing one way or another, but it'd be, it would be nice to see them calling up Joey Bart by June and then playing first, you know, playing catcher and playing first and splitting time with Buster because Buster's timeline, as you alluded to with Kerry, is, you know, starting to close a little bit because he's getting older. So Sunday Night Baseball is making changes to the broadcast in 2020. Jessica Mendoza, according to the New York Post, I believe it was the Post, but it came out on Friday, is out as a second analyst behind A-Rod. She also stepped down from her position of special advisor with the New York Metropolitans. It hasn't been announced or determined if Maddie V will be back next year or not. The big name thrown around to replace Jessica Mendoza, according to the New York Post, is David Cohn. Cohn currently works with the Yes Network. ESPN could bring Cohn in to work with A-Rod and Matty V or whoever they go with or do a two-man booth with just a play-by-play guy and A-Rod. So buying or selling David Cohn as a second analyst on Sunday Night Baseball. I am selling. That is way too much Yankees for me. <laughs> that is way too much Yankees for me. Even though I... I don't know how much Yankee fans really love A-Rod, but A-Rod loves talking about being a Yankee. I just... He works for the team. You know how much I love me some David Cohn as a player, but you're going to have two two Yankee guys in the broadcast booth? That's what it sounds like. You're going to bring Michael Kay in, too, and have him do the play-by-play? Uh, how about John Sterling doing Sunday Night Baseball? And then every single Sunday night game is a Yankee game? Yeah, or every every Yankees-Red Sox game will be on Sunday Night Baseball. It's, well, an, a, it's an A-bomb for A-Rod. Uh, I'd rather. But see- I wasn't a huge. I wasn't a huge Jessica Mendoza fan. Not and not not because she's a woman. Because I, I God, what's her name? Who does basketball play by play? If you're talking about the greatest female broadcaster, in Doris Burke. Doris Burke's fabulous. So I think she's better than every NBA analyst they have on broadcast. Doris Burke's fantastic. Mendoza was kind of wishy-washy. She didn't get big. I, if you're going to be in that spot, you got to have big. You do have to have big takes. You've got to have opinion. Well, she gave her opinion on Mike Fires, and that didn't go very well. So that was there was a lot of you know public feedback from that one. But let let let's just say this: the rumors about the change on Sunday Night Baseball was yeah, that was well before all that stuff happened too. Yes, that about. was well before. So now that the Red Sox, Dodgers, and Twins uh, two-team, well, two-separate-deal team trade is official, we can look back on this trade and where it ranks in Dodgers history. Dodgers got Mookie, David Price, Cash, and the minor leaguer, and Gratterall from the Twins. The other major trades in Dodgers history are they got Adrian Gonzalez from Boston. The Dodgers also got Josh Beckett, Carl Crawford, Nick Punto, and Cash. They gave up Ivan DeJesus, James Loney, Alan Webster, Ruby DeRosa, and Jerry Sands. Then there was the Gary Sheffield trade that they got where they gave up Mike Piazza. Then they got Pee Wee Reese from Boston. And then you have the one that everyone always remember, the Manny Ramirez three-way trade where the Red Sox gave up Manny and the Dodgers gave up Andy LaRoche and Brad Morris who both went to the Pirates in that deal. I don't know how it worked. So buying or selling the Mookie Betts trade will be the biggest in Dodgers history. I'll buy that because you're getting him in his prime and you're putting him with Cody Bellinger, who is starting his prime. That's a dynamic duo right there. You got Muncie still, and Turner, and Seager. Yeah, and, they're, they're loaded. They have and the, Gavin Lux. They have the best lineup in baseball. Uh, yeah, I'll take that. All right, last one. Back in the early days of baseball, pitchers used to pitch complete games all the time. In 1879, Will White started 76 games and had 
75 complete games and pitched in 680 innings. Jack Chesbrough had 48 in 1904, which is the modern-day record. Nolan Ryan had 26 complete games in 1973. The last pitcher to have 10 complete games was in 2011 when James Shields did it 11 times. Big game, James. The only other pitcher during this century to have more than 10 complete games with James Shields was CC Sabathia in 2008 when he had seven of them with the Brewers. The leader in 2019 was a tie between Shane Bieber of the Indians and Lucas Gilito of the White Sox, who had three each. Buying or selling, no pitcher will ever reach 10 complete games in a season ever again. Selling. Sports always changes. Sports always, and sports will revert back. There may be a time. I may not be alive, but there's going to be a time where starting pitchers start giving you more innings, and then, therefore, you will have more complete games. What are you What are you buying or selling? I am buying, though. No, I don't think. Rise of right ever? now. I don't think ever. Unless a guy like when you're seeing so many guys, what 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 if they switch the game to seven innings? All right, now we're throwing on hypotheticals. Now uh, well, I, I just don't think it's gonna happen anytime soon. It could happen, but I'm gonna. You I'll, said ever. Ever means yeah, ever. ever. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I still don't I mean think you could be dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully, if it does happen, it happens in my lifetime, so I could I could be wrong about this. But hopefully, I am dead when it happens, so I don't have to face the uh, ridicule for it. But uh, I don't think it's gonna happen. I mean, we're seeing a different trend with pitchers now. Although these new rule changes might might affect that, yeah, I just I, I hope to. I maybe I'm just hoping. All right, that was a great Monday show. Good job, Commander. We're about to go to spring training. Thank you to Brad Doolittle from ESPN, Kerry Crowley from the San Jose Mercury News, the great Steve Garvey, Lou Merloni, former player, and now does a show on WEEI, the Red, the Red Sox flagship station, and our own Shooty Babbitt of the Oakland A's. We will replay this show, and we'll be back on Wednesday from 1 to 4. Have a great Monday, everybody. This is Chris Townsend. Are you ready for spring training? The Oakland Athletics are heading to Arizona, so it's time to grab your sunscreen and get a few cold ones, and let's get 2020 spring training going because there's going to be some great memories for you down in Mesa, Arizona, watching the green and cold get ready for the 2020 regular season. Tickets for spring training are on sale now. Don't miss out on your opportunity to see the Athletics take on the Cubs, the Giants, the Padres, the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks. They're all down there in Arizona in the Valley of the Sun. Get your tickets at athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash spring. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.